Yo, man. Oh, Miss Rusty. I've been clipping out there recently, so I need to make sure that I'm holding it far away. So Miss Rusty uh, clips out there and then it just rusty is all you get. So that's going to be different today. So welcome to the public access podcast, the podcast on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN. Uh, I am here today. I have a special guest because it's fucking Tuesday. <laughs> and I'm going to bring him on here, right here, right now. Clifford Myers, how you doing? Rusty Diamond. I'm doing good, buddy. I love oh. your energy. I love your intro. This is great. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, dude, thanks for being on. This is my Tuesday uh energy it's it's uh, good it yeah, should be your tuesday it. energy it should be your every day let's get up and go energy right like it, i i'm all it about is. it man it is uh, it may last it may not i might end up talking <laughs> like this for a little bit but i don't i don't know why it's not my real voice but uh i feel like talking this way right now but dude fucking uh, uh you can also swear on here if you like if you oh. feel that if, if it happens uh sometimes i usually have my person <laughs> uh bleep it out but they're uh they've been on on hiatus the last decade so it's been uh you know it's so you can, you can... I, I will be honest i kind of like i default to swearing even on things that i'm not supposed to swear on so oh, if good. this was a don't swear thing i probably still would have sworn at some point and uh, I've, yep. I've been horrible for it over the years because i was like I was raised in this like factory town in like uh, in uh, it's called Oshawa in uh, Canada here. And we had two yeah. GM factories. And so it was like, oh. you know, factory workers, blue collar. And like from the age of like four, I was raised around fuck, fuck, shit, fuck, fuck. You know, just like it was like ingrained in me every time something happens. Yeah. Fuck, fuck, shit, fuck. You know, <laughs> like so uh, it's been hard for me over the years to scrub it out, especially if you do like. A, a, you know a news channel or something like that locally and they want you to behave yourself and you're like why why are we here <laughs> yeah you, you know spend spend a few dollars you can edit it out later make sure you you tip tip the editor there a little bit and um i, I think it goes full circle i think when you're like an entertainer and you're talking on podcasts and you know random things you got to behave yourself on some things. You can go wild on some things, but then if you get good enough, like Bill Burr level or something, you can yeah. just go wild on Conan, you know, like right. just like let it loose. And they're like, we'll figure it out. We're just glad he's here. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah it's going to be a good thing. Like, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to stop that process right there. I mean, uh, if swearing's part of the way it goes, uh, like, uh, if, uh, if I can't, what is it? If I can't, uh, can't smoke and swear i'm fucked um try, trying to think of <laughs> is that a Ricky proverb like where'd you get that from <laughs> from trailer park boys ah, uh, a canadian Ricky. gem there you go so where, where are you with the trailer park boys where are you with canadian comedy uh shows such as that or kenny versus spenny or uh i guess even letter kenny now is kind oh. of a thing that's kind of Shout out to uh, K-Trev, who plays Squirrely Dan. He's one of Canada's uh, greatest comedians. A lot of people don't realize how good his stand-up is because he's crushing it on that show. So they're like, yeah. oh, Squirrely Dan from Letterkenny. But he's one of the best storytellers in Canada. This guy is like, 
he's an A player through and through. And it's just like, he was one of the first guys ever took me on the road. And I have a lot of love for him, a lot of love for the Letterkenny team. Uh, to kind of address what you're talking about with Canadian comedy, all those shows are so quirky, eh, that you mentioned. Kenny yeah. versus Benny, Trailer Park Boys, Letterkenny. Um, like, I would throw in Kids in the Hall as the creme de la creme. The, sure. The has to, like, if someone's going to go top tier Canadian comedy, I, I, I really want to hear the argument as to why kids in the hall wouldn't be number one. Um, and I will sit here and pretend like that argument's real. And then I will <laughs> address your concerns. Um, none of those other things happen without kids in the hall. If kids in the hall didn't go, Hey, we're going to step up and do comedy our way, the way we want to, which is a theme that you get in Canadian comedy from yeah. most of our productions, our comedians, like a lot of our comedians that want to, really go for it if you notice they're all people that do things their own way right like norm mcdonald yeah. probably being the best example of that oh man fuck norms yeah i mean dude like so much of his shit like it was just so well yeah i don't know i don't know how much of it was perfectly written or if if it was just fucking going man like i it was embodied it was, yeah. was embodied he was in it right like a lot of people don't realize, the, like, I, I know Americans don't actually understand the Canadian identity. I know that because Americans very much are about the American identity and there's not a whole lot of room to ex explain those other perspectives. But the Canadian identity is very much caked in American influence. And so we're constantly in this weird psychological mode of fighting for independence. Like, no, I'm not American. I'm a Canadian. Yes, most of my TV shows are American and I listen to American music. You know, just look around the world. You become influenced by these great artists that get platformed in America and that, you know, shoot to the stars. And we love it. We're influenced by it. And then the yeah. stuff that influences us locally, like the Canadian stuff, it's so insular. Like, it's so small. But if you notice, like, it's all kind of along the same theme. Like another uh, Canadian comic that really, like, blaze the trail was tom green right he was one of the first uh, podcasters in a sense yeah yeah doing uh his like the it was tom green live it was just yeah, him in his in his basement doing and, wild shit right and yeah. like that's what i'm saying oh, like canadians like his are show. so that's it the, his show and like before Can yeah that's what i'm referring to yeah okay yeah, I, I thought you were talking about like when he started doing like tom green live you're talking like when oh he was that's on, the like, podcast access I'm talking about the Tom like, Green show. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Back, like in, back in the, the mid-90s. Uh, it was like a public access show. It was like early YouTube. It was pre-Freddy Got Fingered. Weird shit. Freddy Got Fingered is such, like, dude, I don't know, man. That's such a fucking <laughs> great movie. And it's it's so, like, so much deeper than it, it appears on a surface level. Like, I could go on about yeah. Freddy Got Fingered for a long time, dude. Tom Green's fucking brilliant. That guy... Uh, and people are just like, hey, he's a fucking idiot. Like, no, dude, he fucking, he gets people on a whole different level than a lot of other people and able to kind of do, uh, be able to hold the mirror up to society and just really have like, like here, dude, this is, this is what's really going on. This is what, you know, you're missing. And um, it's cool, man. I, I fucking like Tom Green a lot and well, I still watch. I kind of feel like he comes from this school of like what I call discomfort merchants, right? Yeah. So like literally a lot of uh, comedians, especially Canadian comics are kind of merchants of discomfort. 
they come to you with like things that make you feel weird. Like, like you said, you really like Freddie got fingered and you, you feel like there's something deeper to it and you don't understand why. Well, it's a very uncomfortable movie with very uncomfortable <laughs> comedy, real feelings of feeling dejected, humiliated, wanting to belong. These are stuff that we all really connect to. And when you're taught those things through discomfort, you're kind of taught to embrace it a little more, that it's okay, that you're not the only one isolated in the shit that is every day being a human, right? Yeah. Like, that's why I really, when I see like going to Norm MacDonald, right? Like Norm MacDonald would make people feel absolutely uncomfortable on their own talk shows, right? Like that dude in Australia where he's on this talk show and he's talking about how he loves transgendered people but yeah. not the serial killers. <laughs> and he's really trying to make that point. He's like, I like them when they're transgendered. I don't like them when they murder. And it's so uncomfortable, but he's, he's looking at a cultural issue in the eye and he's yep. like, I'm going to welcome you to absurdity. I understand you want me to play by a certain set of rules and talk about things in a certain set of ways. And I'm not going to. That's a discomfort yeah. merchant. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's going to get through to a different crowd of people who, it, where you know being taught into that certain way and and you know learning from that certain way is just kind of going off in a million ways but you got someone doing it kind of the fucked up way yeah the unorthodox way yeah the, the discomfort merchant as uh, as you call it um yeah that's it fucking gets through it's like oh okay that's fucking that's good man well that's good that's a good way to get get you know discussion going too it is. I think it welcomes curiosity. You know, I think discomfort in general welcomes like uh, real time experimentation, real time feedback. You know what I mean? Like I used to be so afraid of discomfort. I used to like, I wanted everyone to like me. I didn't ever want to step on the wrong toes. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. When the whole canceling thing started happening, I literally deleted my Twitter. Cause I was like, I'm not going to have something I said at 23 burn me when I'm 49. And it yeah. was like, it was this weird fear of consequences for things that aren't there yet or things that won't be consequences for. And I started getting into this like nutshell of, oh, being uncomfortable is a bad thing. And that's not true. I don't believe that at all now. Like I, I used to avoid watching nature videos, you know, like nature yeah. is metal and shit like that when they're like crushing each other. Now I have to watch them. I'm like, I have to accept nature for what it is. I got to look at it in the eye and look at the discomfort. I hate how uncomfortable it makes me feel. There's a lot of things that make me uncomfortable. Bugs, yeah. mold, right? Like, I, like you show me a cup of mold in it. Ugh, no, that, I hate it, right? But right. As, as I get older, as I'm like, you know, leaning more into the education space where we like use discomfort as an educational tool through comedy, for me, I'm like, no, this is something I actually, it's an education. And we don't see it that way because school in a sense is so, uh, I don't know what the right uh, uh, description for, you know, when they like every, clinical in a sense, like everything's so clean and a certain type of way and everyone's presented the information, everyone's supposed to learn at the same pace. And I don't really believe that. I think we're more individuals. And so, yeah, right. So we should yeah. be approaching learning on an individual level, how do we do that, right? I think it's a little bit more in depth, a little bit more granular to getting to those answers. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I tell people to drop out of school right now, just fucking stop going. Um, but I, you know, dude, don't like, don't stop learning. I mean, 
you can learn anything you want on YouTube that you could ever think of in the whole wide world. Go to YouTube University. And if you really want to know, if you want to do a college or anything, you, Harvard, uh, Stanford, MIT, they all have everything on there. Every course, every bit of material on there, you can learn about it. Like, fucking go for it. You can learn anything you yeah. want to learn. But, like, I mean... I did fucking terrible school. I was the fucking drizzling shits. I don't know how I graduated middle school. I don't know how I graduated high school. I don't know how I graduated college. I did, but uh, I mean, high school, I had to pay off my teachers, but that's a different story. Um, but that was maybe we should get to that story. But I, I, I want to say though, like, you know, you've done hypnotism. So you've learned a lot about the art of persuasion, maybe more than some business school graduates. Right. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? You've, you've done comedy, you've done wrestling. You have more understanding of audiences and crowd psychology than maybe some socialists, right? Because you're in it, the man in the arena, you're in it. Right. Yeah, and and the, there's something different. Like, sure. You didn't nail it on the academic stream and you had to pay off teachers for some shit. And I do want to hear the story, but yeah. like, um, I think what happened was you just went, this education ain't for me. I know the education that is for me and it's going to be sporadic. It's not going to make sense to other people. I'm going to do this and then do this and then do this. And that's okay. That's totally yeah. okay. Like that literally is a way of learning and that's fine. I've done the same thing. Totally fine. I, I got to hear the story. Oh, okay. So about the, uh, so, um, so when I was in high school, I had a teacher, um, I won't get into it. At least one of them. Um, <laughs> so I, I had I had family who worked for uh, for Nike. Um, and okay, they're just so doing with, it. Yeah, with that, uh, every year, if I was able to get him a pair of shoes uh, at just at a discounted rate, I was able to never have to come to class uh, the whole year. And I would get an A for uh, dis think, not even free shoes for discounted free, shoes for discounted shoes like probably forty percent off. <laughs> this 40 teacher gave off. zero shit. <laughs> yeah, he, he could have got a lot more out of me. And then, uh, and then also, then I'd have people doing my work so I can go do other shit. Um, like uh, I would, so I was like, okay, so yeah, I'm. So you seem like you're a little older than me. I'm I'm 40. So uh wow, so rude, Rusty. Yeah, I think you're like 41. Rusty 42. Diamond. You, you, I'm 37, you, you, baby boy. Yeah, 30. Okay, well, good. I, <laughs> I thought you said, are you? I thought you said 49. No, I was. I think I might have used that number an example, but I'm 37 years old. Oh shit. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So then yeah, you're, yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. Like the same. Okay. So. Uh, so like in the late nineties, um, CD burners fucking, uh, were, were becoming a thing and you go by the fucking big old spindle of fucking CDs. Yeah. And by like so, 26 of them would work. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You only find out after an hour and a half of burning shit on there. And it's like, <laughs> Oh fuck, man. I got like three and a half tracks on there. And, uh, yeah. So I ended up, I was got into not YouTube, uh, ebay and i started selling i had you know a shit ton of wrestling tapes and i started selling those on there a shit ton of video games started selling those on there and then i ended up with this thing it was uh these were all okay this is like late 90s so these are all like little tiny i forgot what they're called what the format was but little files of 
uh, like maybe up to 30 seconds of uh, of porn. That oh, was like okay. some of it was like black and white. Some of it was just like really shitty. Most of it didn't have sound, but it was 70 fucking hours and it took like 13, <laughs> 13 or 14 CDs to go and fill it all up. So wait, and you so would fill I, these CDs with porn? Yeah, like I got one <laughs> one copy of it. Like I, I bought it off eBay for like 20 bucks and then I was selling it for like <laughs> 80, 72 bucks to about $100 with about 80 being the what I'd sell it mostly for. And that's a hustle. Me, yeah, for like 12 CDs. And then I ended up doing that. And so I ended up um, started paying people to do my work, uh, like in uh, my photography class. I started paying a guy to do all my work in that one. Uh, I started paying a kid in my math class to do all my work that did kind of back to bite me in the ass when I tried to do that class in college and failed <laughs> it twice, but I didn't have to do the work then. So I'd have more time to go and um, re repackage and repurpose some, uh, some clips of porn. And so, but yeah, so then I yeah ended up doing that and I had another teacher um, I paid off, but that was just straight cash. So that one, uh, was just so, for the grades. I didn't get a leave. I didn't get a missed class for that one. Th this this is the question I have, right? Like like when we're facing the way we do education and like post secondary and all this stuff, like yeah. something like, okay, so that's real life. Real life is, hey, I bought porn to flip porn and sell porn on DVDs. This is a real fucking moment. I'm talking to people that are interested in buying this. Actual consumers, right? Like in the real yeah. world. It is not, there's nothing handsome about this. It is, uh, you, you know what I mean? It's flawed, it's blemished, it's, it's real life. And where do you get that education in college or university? Where do you get like understanding someone's real intentions or looking at like people's desires or, you know, like it, for example, porn is a really good uh, kind of like study tool for human loneliness or human connection like what drives us like a, a lot of I, I find it interesting that more academics you know academics they go on these podcasts and they start talking about oh if we do this with nuclear energy and if we do this right and it's like no but like yeah. why do we why in pornography do men uh come on women's faces like that's a reality of the world. That like I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to be crude here. I'm saying that is a real reality. People watch that. People are interested in seeking it out, right? Why do right. we do it? We never talk about it. Is is it because it's too uncomfortable? Is it too much of an uncomfortable conversation? Because if we talk about it, maybe we start talking about something. We start talking about men. Why would men want to do that, right? Like why would women right. allow that? And of course, that happens men to men and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. But like that's just one example of one uncomfortable thing where it's like, you're not going to be having these conversations in a post-secondary institution. So to me, it's like, okay, so post-secondary institutions come with a lot of limitations because they're afraid to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And I mean, they're not only are they afraid to be uncomfortable They're, I mean, especially now, like you, you can't bring that up. If you bring that up, dude, you're fucked. You're, you're, everything is just fucking like if you're trying to do that in school, like if a teacher brought that up, of course. Like, well, it, it'd be considered making it an unsafe environment, right? Whereas, right. like, I and I really want to qualify what I'm saying here is that I'm having this conversation with Rusty. Rusty, uh, you know, you were talking about pornography. That was uh, I took as a social contract permission to talk about it as well. I'm not going right. into Walmart today and having this same conversation with the person at the till, right? Yeah. Like, and right. because context matters. 
And yeah, context matters a lot. Context matters almost the entire thing is context, yeah. right? And so what I'm talking about is like you could create a context to open up a forum to have those kind of uncomfortable conversations. It doesn't have right. to be in everything or whatever, but I'm saying is if you're limiting education, you're most likely limiting outcomes, you're limiting future developments, future discoveries. You're gonna limit a lot if you're limiting the way we think. But if you open the way we think, we're most likely gonna break through those limitations and come up with more creative outcomes and maybe more efficient outcomes, right? And so like, yeah. it, it's this idea of embracing discomfort that like I'm seeing it on every, like, well, it, like look at, I'm fat. Why am I fat, Rusty? And it's literally like the fear of the discomfort of exercise or like uh, putting myself out there and failing. Uh, eating instead of addressing my problems and all those things are very uncomfortable to talk about but literally every problem in our society is uncomfortable to talk about we just had another school shooting that's uncomfortable to talk about it was a trans person that was a shooter super uncomfortable to talk about you yeah. need to talk about these things and like the and it's not about like talking about them to have an opinion and have a take it's just to talk about them and i actually like to talk about things and be wrong Right. Like, let's yeah. talk about it. I do not care about right or wrong in this conversation. I just care that the words are out there. So anyone hearing it uses that and they're able to join the feedback loop and be like, hey, have you thought of it this way? Have you considered this when you stated something this way? Uh, did you mean this? What was the intention behind it? We don't get into the practice of understanding each other's intentions in context. So we yeah. jump to conclusions because it's more comfortable. We point fingers because it's more comfortable. Right. We drag people yeah. through the mud because it's easier to drag them through the mud than drag ourselves through the mud. Right. And so, like, literally, this is the hill I'm dying on now. So yeah. <laughs> the moment you brought up porn, because I was just having this thought the other day, I was like, we never discuss it out loud. Like, yeah. it's all a thing we know everyone does, but we don't actually discuss what happens in there. And it's right. and crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the, the less we talk about it, the more powerful it is. I mean, like the more. Mm. Uh, you know, the, uh, like, like with hypnosis, like I, I do work with a lot of people who have PTSD and like, just to be able like, if someone has PTSD, like I have them fucking one more time, one more time you fucking relive it. You, and we fucking, you, you, you go, you have to experience it. Like, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to fucking yeah. suck. Yeah. But afterwards though, like, it becomes a lot less of a big deal in your life. And it's like, cause it's out there. It's not this thing you've been fucking holding on to forever. That's just kind of, you know, you, you're kind of creating, you know. you're creating a form of catharsis, right? Like I, uh, yeah. I used to open up for a hypnotist at a Dave and Busters and oh, shit. Okay. It, was, it was a horrible, it was the yeah. worst gig ever because he had a hard rule that I wasn't allowed to make any jokes about hypnotism. And oh, I was dude, that like, fucking, what, what the fucking and I, I was like, well, if you don't want me to make jokes about hypnotism, you're going to have to hypnotize me and like, get me not to tell those jokes, bro. And yeah. so, but like when I Man. see that hypnotism used in therapy, that it is used in PTSD and trauma and like all that kind of forms of healing. Yes, yeah. this can be used as a form of entertainment, but that's so interesting that it's also used as a form to help people realistically. I believe the same thing about comedy. That's why I created corporate training that literally uses comedy to connect them to their goals and overcome blockers 
to do it in a different way and not using comedy for entertainment, but using it as a tool, the same way that you would with hypnosis and PTSD. And like, you know, a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy or like uh, that rapid eye therapy and all that kind of stuff, they do ask you to relive it. And I think it's one of those things where like, it's super scary to do that. It's hard to go through, especially if you went through something really horrendous, like that's really tough to go back to. Um, but also like, if you can come to the conclusion that the past has no bearing on the present, like, yes, like time exists and yes, that happened, but what you do now really is the only thing that matters and how you respond now really is the only thing that matters. Right. That's why like we get up on a Tuesday to do this because we both are operating under the mode that this matters. I don't yeah. care if one person hears it today, maybe the person that needs to hear it 20 years from now will. That's what it is, right? That's what it is. You right. put it in the universe and that's it. And like, I've come to a place of acceptance and this is from someone who has PTSD. So like, I have come to a place from uh, like acceptance where that was actually one of the reasons why I avoided discomfort so much was yeah. it kind of brought me back to the other things that hurt me, right? Yeah. And I was so scared to go into it. And I mean- and so with that, then, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's because I, because then I mean, like anytime it comes up then again, like it's not, you know, it's well, going to hit you more from, it's going to come field. up and it's going to come up in different ways. Right. Like, yeah, and at times when you're not fucking super relaxed, it, it can come at a time when you're, you're already on edge and something fucking happens and then it's well, off the and- fucking races. I, I like I'll share like uh, not everything but I'll share one thing that like I, I experienced and it was uh, a real learning curve for me about this whole idea that PTSD will appear in different ways so like when I was 17 years old I was working at a a, a street youth drop-in center uh-huh. and an altercation broke out there and it got physical and one guy took out a knife he stabbed the other guy and that guy did die and, and I was, it was, it was you know, right here to, from me to the computer, I watched a guy like his life, you know what I mean? Like I saw that at the age of 17, it was very yeah. formative. It was scary. And then throughout my life, I had people like, you know, guys try to front on me. Like they'll like put their shoulders up and I get like, Oh no. Oh my God. See someone pull out a knife. And like, I would get like afraid, like anything that like, you know, people call them triggers, right? right. Like these things, like, I would be really, really concerned about it. And so like in the present, I would immediately be going to the past. I'd immediately be going to that thing that happened when I was 17, which isn't happening now, right? Like I'm not witnessing it now. That's an altercation, it's not happening now. So for me to try to detach myself from that experience, it wasn't as much as detaching, but accepting that it happened, accepting that I learned from it and accepting that I'm actually a much better man for going through it because I have more empathy for the human condition than I think I would have otherwise. And it's making me think of people differently. Like I was able to empathize with both the victim and the culprit, right? Like I was able to see both sides of a coin and it was just unfair and ugly. And, you know, the system just kind of was created this, right? It was kind of a product of the system. And it was one of those things where I strapped in and I was like, not till my thirties that I started really addressing that I can't keep going back to the past when shit goes bad. I need to be the man I am now and face it in the present. And now like, you know, I've been having, you still get in conflicts and altercations, right? Like I've, I've had uh, 
I've, I've had conflicts last year and during the pandemic, people were really uppity, right? So someone being rude at the grocery store or something like that. But yeah. like, for I had someone flinch at me and like, and then I immediately got up and I yelled at them. And then Wait, they, they flinched at you. Yeah. They're like, yo, come on, bro. Like, oh, okay. Those, right. Gotcha. Come yeah. On, right. And yeah. I, I immediately overreacted. I got, I got out of my car. I yelled at them. I, you know, I was very angry. And then I went home that night and just like, I had to let it all go. I was like, you're going to do this forever. Every time you get triggered, you're going to yell at someone. You're going to raise your voice. You're going to get mad. You're going to get sad. You're going to say life's unfair. You, you think you're entitled for everyone to treat you the way you want to be treated. Like, have you watched nature's metal, bro? <laughs> like, that's yeah. where I, but, you know, yeah. I, I'm starting to adjust my perspective and being like, oh, okay, I could see that part of it was actually me making it about me. Right. Like yeah, and that's a hard thing to admit. Right. And this very hard thing to admit. And that it's, I mean, the only way that, you know, and same with being offended, like the only way, the only reason like someone's offended or feels uncomfortable, it's on them. It's not on the person that's doing it. It's whoever. Um, we can definitely learn from it, right? Like I, right. I've, I've offended a lot of people in my time, but like, this is the funny thing. I've never like, I've never offended someone enough that like people have gone out of their way to cancel me simply because I don't have any leverage right like yeah. i don't have uh, anything that people can really be like oh we're gonna tear that empire down right like yeah. maybe maybe one day they'll want to do that shit and then this clip will circulate but right <laughs> yeah, me too man but... i mean that that's not a good i'll tell you the most offended someone's been at me and this is true and i actually talk about this when i talk to corporate clients because i'm not changing who i am i don't change myself as a person i am this like hippie punk dad that loves comedy loves learning and that's what i'm up to i'll have these kind of conversations with you when I'm talking to a corporate client, obviously we're a little bit more squeaky around the wheels, but we're still talking about the same subjects in different ways. Yeah. I've equipped myself to be able to do that over time, but, and it really came from the most offended someone who came at me, they were so mad because I made a joke about uh, cats, okay? Wow. I know, I said, uh, I got, like I was watching Mythbusters, I got drunk, I wanted to bust a few myths of my own, and no, cats do not have nine lives. This is myth. Right. It's a joke about getting drunk and killing a cat. And right. uh, that's a dumb joke. It's a clearly dumb joke. I did not get watch Mythbusters get drunk and kill a cat. That never happened. Right. Right. Yeah, but here was here was the complaint, though. If you're going to make jokes about cats, you need to equally make jokes about dogs. And this was in 2009. In 2009, I had someone talking to me about equality and comedy material. And I was like, huh, that's so interesting that you believe that should be reality. Like that in their head, they believe anyone that would make a joke about a cat makes a joke about dogs, make a joke about women, make a joke about men, right? Like, like it's, uh, it's, it's weird to me that we get yeah. caught up in the, hey, no, keep it balanced, keep it equal. It's cause like, it's so uncomfortable to go, it's not gonna be equal. God, that would be such a fucking great like stop in your in your set to just go you know what uh, it's not going to be equal that's the end of the joke you know it's like, not, you know it's it, fucking it, dead cats, uh, 
cat's dead, dog's in the field, looking at the sunflowers, <laughs> wagging his tail at the sun, right? Like, like it's not going to be fair. And I, I, what the way I look at it is, I, I, it's people's expectations versus understanding the intent of the performer, the intent of the, the person intent. speaking, right? Like, because my intent Context. is not to hurt you, right? My, my intent is to make you laugh. My intent is to entertain you. My intent is to introduce you to discomfort, absurdity, absurdity, um, yep. but in a safe way. You're not going to get hurt from this. Everyone, it's just yep. words. You're going to be okay, right? And like, it's not ill, ill fucking conceived. It's not you're not you're not trying to fucking oh fuck the cats, man. Those fucking cats. You, you I'm know, not trying like, to rally you to put end yeah, all cats, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, end all cats. Hashtag end all cats is not. Yeah, what, I'm what not the, doing that shit. Yeah, it's just a, it's a fucking joke, man. And so, yeah, that's fucking weird. Like, did someone would come up with that? Like, and say that to you. So, well, is this someone in the audience? It was someone in the audience. Just another comic. No, it was someone in the audience. I've heard the shit I've heard from comics is uh, a whole other <laughs> ball game there. But yeah, like, we can have a different podcast about that one. Th that's a whole other conversation about uh, false expectations for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but like, um, I go to bat for comics. So I, I, I love them. I love them to the day I die. It's like that Doug Stanhope quote, I could quit comedy, but I couldn't quit comedians. I, I, very, yeah. I very much find that I learn the most from comedians for better or for worse. And, and me, the ones I don't like kind of teach me the most things. So like, yep. I have to kind of accept that. I continue to not like them because <laughs> that's my personal preference. Right. Yeah. But like my own, my own material, like I'll tell you about the, like some of the stuff I'm doing on stage right now, Rusty. I okay. have, I have a joke about accidentally sucking a priest's fingers at my grandfather's funeral. I have a joke about my cousin thinking that I want to fuck her because I liked one of her photos on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, I have a joke about someone stealing the baby Jesus from a Christian bookstore. He stole like five. He had a pocket full of messiahs, this kid. Okay. So I'm going into like religion, death, uncomfortable things. I'm doing it just like you see here, Mr. Teddy bear, man, having a good time. Why? Mm -hmm. Because these are the things I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand the rituals that we have in a religious institution or our, our discomfort with death that like, I know my, if my, if the, if the, like, if it's like the movies where the spirit is hovering over the body, my grandfather would have been laughing his ass off. He would have been yeah. like, Oh my God, how'd you end up in this scenario? You silly goose. Right. Like, uh, and uh, it makes for a good joke. You know what I mean? Like I get, I get to throw out the punchline. You haven't lived until you've tasted a priest on your, on your terms. Right. Like it, it, gets, right. The, yeah. it gets the crowd with a ha ha ha, but it's a joke. It's dumb. It's at the end of the day, it's, it's a, a ha ha. And we move forward, but it's also a real story, a real experience. I really did suck a priest's fingers at my grandfather's funeral. Uh, okay. Wait. Oh, uh, was were you doing? Was this like communion or something? You got it. He, he had the church cookie, the communion wafer, and yeah. I tried instead of going like that. I tried to go in. You went. Like, you went in like he was. He was feeding you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay. like the way you, a goat would. Like a goat. Yeah, like <laughs> you put it up and it fucking sort of nibbles on your fucking uh, your finger. Your, yeah, your you got it. And okay, like, uh, yeah. 
And so, like, my family's around me, like, what is he doing? And I'm like, oh, blah, blah. like, fish getting fish hooked by the good father. And, <laughs> you know, and like, my, my wife at the time, she's beside me. I could hear her whispering. She's like, Clifford, no, stop it. What are you doing? No, no. <laughs> like, the audience reaction to the side of me. And uh, so I, I have questioned, I was like, do I end up in these situations because subconsciously my comedian mind wants the story? Or do I just get into these situations because I'm that aloof in the moment? You know what I mean? Like, what or is it? Know. How do I, I get myself in these situations constantly. So I'm just yeah. like, how does this happen to me? Is it like, because it's not premeditated. I didn't go to my grandpa's funeral being like, I'm going to suck a priest today. Right. Like, I didn't do that, right? <laughs> yeah. yep. You can wear one of those shirts that, you know, uh, I went to my grand or my, yeah, my grandfather's funeral and all I got was to suck on the priest's fingers and you know you don't get that t-shirt so uh, I, I think you just came up with my uh my merch though so thank you yeah, yeah there you go man <laughs> you know everyone needs one of those and so wait so this this was when you were married you did this yeah this, yeah. so how long ago was this that happened uh, maybe 2018-ish, 17-ish. Like five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a fairly fresh story still. Like, so it's still something I'm working on on stage and trying to find the punches and make it funny. Like, there's a, there's a lot that I put into the joke. Like, I frame it about being bad at funerals. And I talk about other times I've wrecked funerals. So like, yeah. and, I, and I lead up to it, right? Like, I have a framing. I have a through line. And it ends with... Uh, that you know a tip almost a typical punchline that you would expect on a, any given joke and then like it, it's just a way of me uh being hybrid combining storytelling joke telling traditional confessional style but in the form of a joke structure you know so like I, I I'm obsessed I've been doing this for 14 years you know Rusty I'm obsessed with it I'm obsessed with the craft of comedy I'm obsessed with the craft of like um interaction like I, I, I really like riffing and crowd work and stuff. So for myself, like I really enjoy like getting things out of people. Like when you talk to them and like get fine, cause there's gold in there. If you, if you dig in, you know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. It, and all this it's funny to think like all this inappropriate behavior, all this discomfort, all this weirdness and being offended and life and comedy. And that it's leading me to being like, yeah, I got to build an education company for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, people have you, to know how to do this well, it's, it's a good life skill i've read a lot of books um on this subject i'm very convinced i am very convinced that we learn better through a state of play i am very i'm i'm very convinced of it like it's one of those things where it's like you there's not enough data for you to convince me otherwise we haven't done this enough for you to prove me wrong so for me to go like well no, you've just said, no, that won't work and won't go towards how do we incorporate play into forms of education, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not a thing, really. Yeah, someone could tell me how to fucking run a business at school, like take a whole fucking five years of schooling on that. But, you know, are they going to think, hey, man, you can fucking get porn off of eBay and then flip it with a CD fucking burner? Uh Probably not. And like learning how to do a lot of stuff like there's there's been a lot that, you know, you just kind of have to and it's OK to fuck up. Like 
it's Ab- same with same with comedy Absolutely, like brother. i mean i fucked up plenty of times uh i fucked up on a lot of things uh you know it's um well, it, it tends to be the fuck ups that end up the ones that we watch the stories of, right? Like we end up right. looking at the stories and they, most of those stories are I fucked up on A, B, C, D, and E. It wasn't until I got to Z that we started A again and like, you know, started moving over. And, um, you know, I, I, I really am like, we have to like accept that people fuck up, but also like, like with you and the porn, you were doing it. You were in the arena. You were figuring it out live. Now, there's an important piece of that. You have, that's a young age to be doing that, which is interesting because that means you actually had an element of courage to be disliked at a young age. There's this book called The Courage to Be Disliked. Oh, okay. Right? And so like in society, we don't look at uh, porn DVD hustlers as top of the totem pole of contributors. Okay, right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to tell you this, Rusty. Ah, uh, fuck, man. Like I, I was thinking like I was. Gonna, I know you post. thought it was a civil service, but uh, it wasn't. <laughs> okay, all right. I mean, and and I was a child too. Uh, how old were you? I'm 17, 16, 17. So you're so you were young. You were doing this thing, but what I'm saying is there has to be a little bit of courage that I'm going to do this in spite of what people are going to think of me. And maybe as time went on, you're like. Well, I don't want to sell DVDs <laughs> with porn anymore. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna podcast. I'm gonna talk to other people about their ideas. I'm gonna entertain. I'm gonna learn hypnosis. I'm gonna learn wrestling. Like that to me all seems like very positive. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it seems like yes, there's a part of your path here that's like, oh, that's kind of uncomfortable for sure. But yeah. I, I tried selling porn DVDs and failed. So yeah, I'm actually looking yeah. at someone that's more successful than me in that regard. <laughs> yeah, it, it fucking it worked, man. I mean, but and like, I mean, yeah, I fucking made people like realized. I was talking about this with. Uh, I had a friend from, I like went to middle school with middle school and high school with. I haven't talked to him for like you know over twenty years. I talked to him and so like we used to have a a fair like a city fair um like a carnival type of thing and in middle school there was a dunk tank and I would go I fucking like I was you know very fucking uh I don't know I was kind of a shit sometimes but for the most part I was a pretty like quiet calm kid but man I'd go in there and I've learned that I can start talking shit and I know that I can get under people's skin very fucking well as a teenager, making yeah. adults fucking pissed off and wanting to come throw fucking balls at my fucking thing to make it drop me into uh. the fucking water. And like, um, once, once I realized that one, I mean, once I realized I can make people fucking like I've made, I've had three, I guess three. So in wrestling, I've had, I guess three people that have tried to fucking kill me. Uh, oh, that wow. Were fans. Yeah. Like the first <laughs> oh, no. one was within the first, like the first year I started. Um, and yeah, I got fucking lucky. And then the second one was like, I don't know, maybe five years in, five years in, I think, but no, no one's tried to kill me since then. So that's, that's good but i yeah i had fans fucking like running after me trying to find me and i have to like hide out because you're the bad the guy and they didn't like you that kind of thing like yeah the first one i was the neutral party 
And I don't know oh, what the wow. fuck I did. The second one was a bad guy. It was, and it was my first time being a bad guy. Mm. My first time being a bad guy had someone want to kill me. And so I found out that that's interesting. That's, that's something that I'm, I'm all right at. I, I'm pretty, pretty okay at it. And um, so with comedy, like, so when you have your, when you go up there, let's say you're doing a, you know, even like a 10 minute, 10 minute set, let's say a 10 sure. minute set, quick, quick little something, you know, starting uh, hosting a show or something. Um, how much of it do you have written out word for word? You know, every little bit, you know, every little nuance, every time you pause, and how much of it is crowd work? How much of it is something that you can kind of play with or what, what's kind of your style? Like just for instance, if it's 10 minutes, but then if it's, it's different, if it's an hour, hour set. Yeah. You know, like for me, it's always going in with a goal. Okay. Cause the goals change from show to show. So if this is a 10 minute set, but it's a 10 minute set at a theater show where people paid $60 to see the headliner right? Yeah. Like I'm going to be doing straight material. I'm not going to do any crowd work. I'm going to, I, cause of the goal of that is to be a strong opener and set the headliner up for success. That in like, yep. so if I'm an MC, my goal is to more in a hospitality role to make everyone feel comfortable. I'm a liaison between the crowd and the show. Um, so I want to be the beginning, middle end story through line for them. So I'll probably do more crowd work. I'll get to know people, give something for comedians to reference, I'll make it feel holistic. And I call this story of the night, creating a story of the night. Right. And so like right. they get, cause they never, they're never going to get it again. They never had it before, right? And they just got it now. And like, that's something special to me. And I think in if you're in the MC role, you're equipped to cr help create the story of the night for sure. Whereas let's say I'm just dropping into a club to do 10 minutes, then the goal will be, I want to try to get this one joke to a different place, right? Like I got to like, okay, the grandfather's story today, I'm going to tell it two beats slower, or um, I'm actually going to open with it. Oh, that's a really uncomfortable one. I'm going to open the goal today is to open with the grandpa story and see if I can pull it off. Right. Like, it, like it'll literally be like craft goals. Like, okay, I'm going to try these two new punchlines. I'm going to try this new tag, like that kind of shit. Right. Um, right. I, I, I've been lazy in the past where I like would only rely on crowd work and not write. And that was actually a very big problem. It was a, it was a problem for me because uh, you know, when you're a performer, uh, yeah. you probably heard this before, but you're competing with yourself. You're only ever competing with yourself. And the more I put off writing my material, the more I put off deep diving into what is, what I find funny, what is funny, what from my life is a uh, story fodder and good for the stage. And like, I've actually was missing out on connecting things. I, and I have a showcase coming up for just for laughs. I most likely won't get it. Like, right. That's, it's a big pool of comics for a very, small amount of spots and it's in a more of an Americanized program, like for an American audience, even though it's in Canada. So, Wait, so yeah. Hold, hold on one second. Okay. So for the just for laughs, you said you, you were looking, you're trying to book a spot on it. Oh, I'm showcasing. So I'm going to do six and a half minutes at a comedy club. The scout for just for laughs will be there. Right. Okay. And I'm at, I'm actually on one of the last showcases. So they, they've been doing this for months. They've been yeah. watching comedians from all over Canada. And some of these comedians will get to be on just for laughs this year. And that's, Have you done it? 
I've never done it in my 14 years. I've never done it. I have flopped, I think six showcases, uh, not necessarily flopped. I just didn't get them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, I, I never took it personally because uh, it's a, they're a business. They have a program to run. They have things that make that program tick. I either fit in or I don't. It's literally that simple. So you got to yeah. take your identity out of it. Like, it's not like them saying like, oh, you're not a comedian. The industry doesn't want you. That's not what it is, right? Yeah. But for that showcase, yes, I'm going to come in with my best material. I want to be like, hey, this is what I've been working on over the years. This is how I like to do comedy. I'm going to give them a good six and a half minutes and I'm going to have a fun time that night. I already know that's what's going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, but what I'm doing in, in terms of my goals, well, my goal that night is not to ace my set so I get on just for laughs. My goal is to create a great six and a half minute set that I can then show other people and that may want to book me for things like for, it's a little that simple. And, yeah. and, and I'm taking things from other stories in the past that I no longer use anymore, but there was jokes or tags or punchlines in there that I really liked. And now I'm repurposing. I'm taking some old material. I'm going to repurpose. I'm going to use this as a chance to practice my repurposed set for the first time. So yeah. What I will be saying to these bookers will actually be the first time I'm saying this this way ever. Oh, okay. Right? Cool. And, yeah. and, and that's my goal because I, I'm on a different path in the sense that like my long-term goal isn't get on Just for Laughs so you can get on Conan, so you can get on this and then get on that. That's not what it is. If you get to be a part of those things, it, it's a more of a gratitude thing. That's like, oh, cool. I get to have this experience and opportunity that's going to give me a chance to tell other comedians what that was like and be able to help my community and completely, you know, continue supporting and fostering comedy in Canada. I see that as a good thing, but my, my goals are long-term in terms of uh, helping Canadian comics, right? Like, and, uh, and helping us, build this company that will get to the point where we're going to be able to fund comedians and help comedians uh, be able to work in different ways. That's why I created a product that allows comedians to work off stage in case there's another pandemic, they're going to have work this time. Right. And so that's yeah. really important to me. And these big goals put these other goals in perspective. I've all of a sudden my identity is not uh, dependent on what a, a scout thinks of me. Right. Like, uh, like, to be honest, like we should empathize with the scouts. They got a big job ahead of them. They're watching a lot of talent and they got to break a few hearts. And that probably doesn't feel good for them. And they might have to pick someone that more fits the bill for what they like, if they only have, you know, a certain spot that they need to get, like, but it's not the person, like, if it's if not like, uh, Like, I don't know, like, like a, a comic with a certain style, like you need to have, like, if they have a, like a quota, like they, you got to have a comic yeah, who's yeah. fucking way out there. Like, but then you got like three of these guys uh, that are fucking great, but like only one of them fits the bill, but you think two of the other ones are better. And well, um, it, it, it depends you never how know what they want for the show. It depends on like, uh, like that's the thing. Different individual scouts will have different individual ideas on what that kind of diversification looks like. Is it literally, is it literally checking boxes by like, we need one Indian person we need an LGBTQ person. Like, do we need that? Or is it 
a diversity of styles. We need someone loud. We need someone quiet. We need someone absurd. We need someone logical. Like, I think it's probably a little bit of all of it, right? Yeah. There's probably a lot of conversations because the end goal is that they want to put on the best program they can put on. Right. right. Like, I have to believe that's their goal. You know what I mean? That they're like, yeah. they don't want their show to suck. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, from anyone, pretty much. I mean, who, yeah. who wouldn't want to be on JFL, man? Like, no, like, come on, man. I just, we started this off talking about like how this Canadian insecurity about asserting your own identity. I grew up on JFL. I watched, uh, you know, I watched everyone. I watched yeah. everyone on there. And it was, uh, Deborah DiGiviani that changed it all for me. Like I, like she is a Canadian comic who is just so uh, worth her salt. Like she, she's always writing jokes. She's hammering. She lives in LA now, but like she was just in Canada for the snowed in tour. I got to catch her again. And it was, uh, she's just as sharp now as she was then. I grew up watching her, you know? And, and so like, I look at those comedians and I'm like, would I like to do that once? Of course. Of course, I would love to do it one time to be a part of it. But if that's not a part of my story, then that's not a part of my story, right? Yeah. Norm Macdonald never did Rogan. That doesn't mean he was less Norm Macdonald. That'd be fucking, that would have been a good one. Uh, that would have been a great good. one. But <laughs> I, I would have I enjoyed watching fucking Norm Macdonald and Joe Rogan. That would be a fucking that That would have been a, right there. It would have been funny because like Norm is so next level that like uh-huh. with Joe, I feel like Joe's uh, like, you know, he's got a macho bravado. He's been very open about that. So yeah. I, I feel like it would have been a really fun tit for tat to find where they step with each other comedically. Like a, a good example of this is there's a, there's an interview with uh, Theo Vaughn and Louis CK. That's oh, shit. Yeah it's incredibly uncomfortable. Like if you watch it, it feels very uncomfortable, but you understand that there's two very different comedic styles, two very different comedic perspectives playing at the same time and trying to like AI, trying to understand each other's algorithm. Right. And like Louis after the fact has gone on to say, like, I, I look up to Theo. I love his comedy. Like, uh, it, it was awkward, but I would do a show again. And so anyone watching that can come to their own conclusions. Oh, Theo and Louie don't like each other and all oh, of this and that. But to me, it's something more beautiful out of it that we actually got to see comedy persona in play, right? Like, like right. in wrestling, you call kayfabe, but like uh, in comedy, it really becomes us. It becomes a part of our living, breathing purpose and way we think, the way we approach things. So where Louie is dissecting things with a scalpel, Theo is giving benefit of the doubt and putting out an open hand. And it's just a different yeah. approach. It's a different approach. And both are accepted because uh, it's like the William S. Burroughs, right? Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. Right. right. That's kind of the truth. The truth is, is like, yeah, nothing's true and everything's you can kind of do anything. Right. And that's what makes people so uncomfortable. If everything's permitted, what are you going to do? Well, we've already seen what we do with permission. People do horrible things with permission, right? Like, so if you think the worst thing was a comedian giving themselves permission to say something shitty on stage is worse than a human being giving giving themselves permission to shoot children, like, fuck off. Everything's permitted. Like, you really got to get back to nature. 
Like if you keep yeah. saying that we are above nature, that we're not a part of nature, that we are not connected to nature, you're going to deny what it means to be human. And that's so insane to me that entertainers are talking more about humanity than uh, academics and theologians and all this kind of stuff. It, it, it boggles my mind. And I think it just comes to the fact that we're the men in the arena. We're the ones doing it. We're in the thick of it. We're talking to the drunks. We're talking to the mentally unwell. We're shaking hands with the homeless. Right, we're like, and we're not wiping our hands off afterwards. That 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 is what I'm saying. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there there is a, a that to me is compassion. That to me is love. That to me is kindness. Is yeah. being in this okay? I'm around someone giving themselves permission to be a drunk asshole. I'm still going to be like this dude deserves a, a lot in life. I'm still going to walk him to the cab, give him thirty dollars, and say get him home. Right, yeah. like, I'm, like you, what are you on about? Yeah, still <laughs> just a fucking dude, man. Uh, I, he's I a dude. You're a dude. Uh, and, and while there's breath in his lungs, this dude can become better. You know what I mean? This dude can change shit around. This dude can one day be talking to a 17 year old getting ready to sell porn on the streets and being like, "Hey, let me tell you about why." Uh, some of the shit that I went through that made me do this and this and this and how like uh, I ended up coming to a better place. You hear it when like men have children or like, you know, people have children. You, that's something that we hear like changes people, obviously big events, trauma. I, I went through a divorce at the very beginning of the pandemic. So like, ba boom, I'm very emo, wow. right? Yeah. Like, uh, like uh, she was my first girlfriend. And I talk about that on stage. I talk about how, uh, like, I experienced my first breakup at the age of 33, which is the age that Jesus died. And I think what I went through was a little worse. He did not have to co-live during a pandemic. Okay, Rusty? Like, he, and he was a carpenter, right? He had benefits. But uh, I went through this thing where my, who I thought was my forever person. I am absolutely in love with this woman. I had a kid with this woman, Right. And all of a sudden yep. the story, my expectations didn't happen. And I've, I've never seen that version of me ever. I've, I know, I know I've been angry in the past. I've never seen that angry. It's like, it's like, like imagine Bruce Banner at his angriest before he has the accident that turns him into the Hulk. It's like, that was life before the divorce. And then all of a sudden I discovered the thing that turns me into the Hulk. And I became so angry. I was angry at every trauma that ever happened, everything, every false promise, every lie, whatever it was. I was mad at it all. And then when I started doing more looking into it, I was mad at me. I was mad at me for not being proactive enough to save my marriage. I was mad at me for isolating her with my anger, right? I was mad at me for being immature. I was mad at me for not being able to provide. I was mad at me, man. How the you know, do you know how fucking hard it is for people to say that? Like, and how yeah, I mean that that's fucking huge that you're saying that. Um it's so many people just couldn't be me, couldn't be me, and just want to say it like yeah, I fucked up, I fucked up plenty. I you know, it sucks. It's you know, I, you absolutely I fucked up hard, man. Like, you know, like. You know, I, I make jokes about like this whole me starting this company started because Shopify fired me. I started the company a minute later, right? Like I literally put a video up. It's pinned on my Instagram right now. And like, I just like, yep, starting the other comedy company. 
taking what I learned from there. And I, and I should talk them a bit on stage. I have fun with it. Right. Like I say, yeah. Oh, I got fired from a tech company. I won't say who it was, but it was Shopify. And then like, you know, I keep going on. I talk about what it was like to be fired in my underwear, wondering if the person who fired me was also in her underwear. <laughs> Rhonda, tell me, were you in your underwear? Right. Like, yeah. and because that was a real moment that I'm like, Oh, this has never existed in human history where people get fired in their homes in their underwear that's a different experience. And like, and that's a different relationship. The person who fired me was actually a wonderful woman. I think she was a great person to talk to. I liked her a lot, you know, and she also had the job to fire me. Yeah. It is what it is. Right. And, but I have to just to loop back to what we're saying is I had to go back to going, "Ah, I still fucked up. I'm still the reason why I'm fired. Right. You can say, oh, if execs did this, oh, if this happened, oh, and I can give you real butthurt that I was part of high growth period during the pandemic and let go the moment it got a little hard. I can be real butthurt about that. Or I can go, what did you learn? What are you taking with you? What are you doing next? And just you own went it. With, without a fucking minute. It was less than a minute. I think it was maybe like 42 seconds. Yeah, I mean, dude, like that's, I mean, that can send someone into a fucking spiral of depression and self-loathing for the rest of their life until they're fucking, I, I was until they're not, fucking dead. I was not giving myself the time, bro. If Shopify taught me anything, it was how to be proactive. It was how to step forward and take initiative. Uh, you know, like I learned an incredible amount of personal resourcefulness from that company. I learned how to learn on me lean on me to self-learn, self-direct, self-teach. These are things that will like, I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Bible college. I got expelled from Bible college. I got, I flunked out of a film school. I had 50% in every course in my last year of high school. Like I'm not an academic. I'm not right. Like I'm not at all, but like what I'm realizing more is like, the power of education is so much stronger than even academia has given it, right? They're trying to give it as a status thing. And it's really not a status thing. It's a skill thing. And we can teach each other these skills one-to-one and we can do this on, you know, on recording so other people can learn from us. Like, this is how we share. This is positive sum because there's room for everyone at the table. We don't have to exclude anybody. It's fucking insane. And like, you tell me, I can only become this if I pay this amount of money, go in this amount of debt. Like you're, 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 you're really putting humans back. Right. And like, right. we have to, we have to stop the barrier of entry of learning how to make money, learning how to uh, like path out a career, you know, like learning how to do the things that we really want to do. And then if something requires a certain amount of like specificity and like, you know, like a doctor, like learning how to do heart surgery, like obviously go that path and go to that school, but we got to lowering the, the, uh, the barrier of entry to being able to learn about this stuff. will get more qualified people into these positions, especially stuff like politics, right? Like right now you only get people in certain higher status families or groups. It's a social thing. And like, that's the way it works. But the right emotionally intelligent leader could change everything right like you you think about like america is such an interesting example you like we obviously feel it here like it's funny your left right thing we feel it here in canada we have liberal conservative it's not as heavy it's not as heavy-handed right because we don't have guns to protect 
So our conservatives aren't as loud as your Republicans, right? Yeah. Like, so it's a little different, but we, our conservatives are honking their truck horns in Ottawa. We have different problems, right? Like we got convoys, okay? Um, But this whole left-right divide, I do wonder what happens when someone from the right goes, you know, uh, my insecurity really comes from like, I hold on to these guns because I'm so afraid of my family not being protected. And these new ideas I see introduced in the society, like about gender or about sexual preference, all this stuff really scares me. And I go into like these old tropes because they make me feel comfortable. And then someone on the other side go, well, I'm a, I'm a white woman and I'm woke because uh, it makes me feel like I'm part of a club. And when I'm showing that I'm allied with LGBTQ people, it makes me seem more, uh, you know, better to my community. And it's a signal that I'm putting out there. But in reality, I'm more apathetic towards it because I really just care about my family and getting by day to day. And I feel horrible for that. If, if you just had people from those sides being self-reflective out loud, yeah. I, I, then those are the emotionally intelligent leaders that are going to rise and help people learn how to do that. And then guess what? There's no woke and anti-woke. There's no left. There's no right. Yeah, it, that keeps the discussion open and going. It doesn't just shut it down on on one side and be like, well, I'm right and you're wrong. I don't want to hear the other and, side. Like, and there's the, nothing. Those were just no- two examples, but each individual has different reasons why they may aspire to that or want to be a, a part of that tribe or a part of those ideas, right? Like if someone right. like, if the idea of freedom really speaks to a human, like for me, it definitely does like right like autonomy really speaks to me the ability to do what i want when i want how i want really matters to me because i'm at my best work-wise when those are the the rules at play yeah so and i and i put out my best work i put out my best work when it's on my terms and then so it's like i it's like i gotta go to other people and be like no you're actually way better off not micromanaging me at all like actually not even yeah. checking in you're you'll be good just let me go do it and then like a cool fucking thing will happen right but right. we don't have that kind of trust in each other that's not built so what i'm saying is like each individual will have their own reasons and they'll have their own pathway to come into self-reflection and being like why do i ascribe to this and what do i think of the other people it's probably not nice but imagine if you said it out loud to someone like that right like oh I judge you because you're a parent with a gun. I think that you made your house unsafe for your child, and, right? And then they go, well, I understand that concern. That was something that scared me too. That's why I create, we have this safety locker. And like, and I'm so, you know, I'm someone that's like very much like, yes, I believe in personal freedom. I believe in educational freedom, but like, I'm also not a gun owner, right? Like I- yep. I'm just not. If uh, there's an uprising today, bye. I'm done. Okay. So like, I'm I'm not a gun owner. I'm not uh, subscribing to subscribing to like classic family values per se. I am completely accepting of new gender norms. Um, I'm not saying that gender replaces sex, right? Like you have male and female sex, and then and like all things, like all discoveries, like when we discovered electricity we're going to go through a period of trying to understand what this is. And so like understanding that there's more to these gender conversations and we've gotten to the point where we can um, subscribe to identities that help us become more of who we believe we are. 
that's actually a good thing, right? So like if a, if a man believes that um, I subscribe to identifying as a woman and then they just do their best work, rock and roll. But if they just did yeah. it because, oh, being a woman will get me a job and being a man wouldn't, that's crazy, right? Yeah. Like, like I, the only way I can yeah. win in, in competitive swimming is to, to, to go against the woman, right? Like that, right. That, that's a funny conversation to have. These are but, all case studies. Yeah, but then that's that's something like if you make that joke, like people aren't gonna understand, like not, you know, some people aren't gonna understand that it's like it it is a there well, there's there's fucking funny there's fucking comedy in this like oh, it's absurd course. and it makes people feel uncomfortable. Well, especially with these topics that are very uncomfortable to talk about, right. um, the like when you make a joke about it, it feels like someone's throwing cold water on you, right? Like it's like you're almost ahead of them in the thinking pathway. Like you've thought about A, B, C, and D. When comedians get to the point where they see the humor in it, it's not at the expense of the people doing it at all, right? right? They, they see the humor in uh, like just like I guess how far the learning curve is in human self-discovery. Right. I think that really is the funny thing. Like when comedians are looking at the humor of like trans people, I honestly believe they're trying to understand it. Like, I think like people are, were so mad at Dave Chappelle, but I yeah. think the more material he made about it, the more feedback he got from it and the more negative feedback and positive feedback, he was probably able to um, find a middle ground and have a more nuanced perspective because of being so combative with the subject matter. You know, yeah, I, and, and like I don't, love I don't think Dave Chappelle is intentionally being an educational theorist or anything like that. But I know he cares for education and he cares about how we learn. And I honestly yeah. believe he was trying to learn something. And, yeah, and did he do it right? I don't know, bro. Yeah, I mean, he got a lot of people talking. He, he got a lot. Got, of, he also got a lot of money out of the deal too, right? Like, right. like, like that one subject netted him six specials. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. like he was, you know, like, like there, there was a benefit there, but I also believe that both can exist, right? That you can benefit off of things and fail at the same time. Like it's a success and a failure to a degree. And when I say failure, I just mean it in the scientific terms. Like, okay, you didn't quite get the, that idea out there the way you wanted to, or it didn't connect the way you wanted it to connect, but you explored in this way. Like there's a lot of things that he goes into, especially with like in, uh, uh, what is it? Um, I think it's called Bird. No, not Bird. Yeah, the Bird Revelation. I think that's what it's called. It's a it's a special he does where he's talking about the Me Too movement, right? Oh, okay. And yeah. like, he's coming from a specific Black American male perspective, and he's like, is he's almost like I think there was a part of it where he's like, I'm trying to warn you people are going to use this movement against you, right? Like you probably could have made the same uh, kind of through lines for Black Lives Matters in any kind of movement that the media latches onto and then uses for their own purposes, right? Yeah. And like, did he nail it out of the park? Did he get all the points home? Maybe not, but then we wouldn't be here discussing that, right? And then thinking yeah. about that. And like, so it's almost like, well, good, good, good thing it wasn't perfect. That's, yeah, like, that's good or else we wouldn't be talking about it we'd be like oh there yeah. was that perfect thing yeah it would be some something that we reference in, in the notes um you know like cited example one and then it's like okay he he got that perfectly okay so this is this is why and and, uh, and, and as time goes yeah. on some things may 
age well, some things might not age well, but that's the point yeah. is that culture moves on. Let's actually like think about the Bible for a second. Okay. okay. So like I was expelled from Bible college, but I did learn a thing or two from there. And uh, one of the things I learned is that the Bible is written in two ways. It's written culturally and universally. So there's things in the Bible say, don't get tattoos, right? Well, at the time, uh, people would get tattoos to express their devoutness to pagan gods. So that was a cultural thing. Not saying that I, Clifford, in 2023, you can't have tattoos, right? But when it's yeah. talking about loving your neighbor, that's a universal thing. That's something that existed then, exists now, and will exist tomorrow, right? So looking at things culturally and universally for all pieces of work. So let's, let's just say the Bible, we're not going to say it's this like all-powerful book with all the answers, but it's a piece of work, right? So that's the same thing with Dave Chappelle. That's the same yeah. thing with Hannah Gatsby. People were mad at Hannah Gatsby because she did a storytelling special called Nanette that went into a sexual abuse. And it was more of a serious storytelling show. They were mad that she called it comedy or whatever, but it was a piece of work that she created that existed, that spoke to people both culturally and universally. There's going to be things that stick out just for the culture at the time, things that stick out more universally. Who are we to vilify them because we're not in their camp? Like right. I, and, I, I doubt Hannah would have me as her opener personally, you know what I mean? But like, yeah, God forbid, I say that she doesn't have the right to go out there and crush it. What yeah, you and, about, right. Like, and art, if it's good, it's going to make you feel something. I mean, whether, uh, wh whatever way you're making art, I mean, yeah. like if it makes you feel something, it makes you feel fucking, if it makes you people that fucking upset that, you know, they're like, you can't fucking do this. Like, you're doing something right. She's, she's no, fucking... that's kind of a good point. Right. Because like, it was a lot of men, right. That were mad about it. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, so let's have, just like when we were talking about the porn, right. Like let's have a right. conversation about this. Why are men uncomfortable about talking when women talk about being sexually abused and assaulted by men? Why do we yep. immediately take it as we're being vilified? Right. Like, what is that? I'm really curious yeah. about what, what that is. Like it's deep insecurity and in manhood. And I wonder if it's like that whole, like we're all capable of evil. We're all capable of being a monster. And if you're aware of that, you're better for it, right? Like, you know, you're a monster, but choose not to be. I yeah. wonder, I wonder if there is something culturally where like men know deep down, they have the ability to be a monster. So when they see a man being a monster, it creates a fight or flight in us right that oh this is going to land on my doorstep or yeah. like where it's like well no actually being able to hear about these conversations and being able to admit that like like for example with the, like sexual harassment now I've, I've never gone off and sexually harassed a person but yeah. uh like that definition can change maybe this would be considered sexual harassment i was at a party once and i was talking to a woman and while i was talking to her i was a little drunk and i put my hand on the small of her back and she told me that made her feel uncomfortable and that uh, unwanted touching was not going to be what's happening here. And that was kind of the first time I got that conversation because culturally at the time, unwanted touching was sort of very permissible, especially from a factory town. You always had guys slapping the woman's ass as she walked by. That, that was the culture. And in the moment, I could have, you know, you could get defensive and go like, oh, I wasn't doing anything. I was trying to hurt you, blah, blah, blah. Or you can go, oh, I crossed the boundary. For this woman, I made her feel uncomfortable. That really sucks. She's at a party to have a good time, just like me, 
right? Yeah. And I did, and I did that. And so the what happens now is I don't do it again. Now I go forward, and when I'm at parties, I'm keeping my hands my fucking self. So yeah. like, and you learn from it. But if I'm too scared to talk about it because oh I might get canceled or whatever, then other men going through these same thoughts aren't going to be like oh well, how do I like not be a fucking not, tool? Yeah, not, how do I not do that? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, like yeah, it, it's uncomfortable. It's- but we're starting to see a theme here, aren't we, Rusty? Yeah, yeah, it becomes so fucking <laughs> taboo. And then it's like, okay, well, here, here it happens again when it could have just, if we talked about it as a, so, you know, as a whole. So people want to compare, right? Like, being like, oh, I'm on, like, there's people that go, oh, I'm on the Hannah Gatsby side of things. I'm on, oh, I'm on the Dave Chappelle side of things. Where me as like a professional in this industry, I go, both get to exist. Everything's permissible. Nothing is true. Right. Like that's, that's what, that's what I get to. I go, they both get to exist. They both get to speak their version of truth and curiosity into reality. They both get to do that. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've seen it to like where, I mean, even, Oh, I don't know with some, like some comedy stuff I've seen it, like where there's only like, if, you know, I've, I've, I don't know, some, some shows have just got it where you like can only have like one, one way of thinking if you don't do that dude you're not gonna fucking there's no way you're being on the show like i i well, swear i i have a friend who uh he's in a, a smaller scene and he's different than every person in that scene and they don't like his form of comedy they don't like what he does but uh he, there's an audience for him for sure yeah and it's one it's one of those things where like I, I've watched him become ostracized. I watch him get isolated when I'm looking at a real talent, right? Like someone that is talented that can learn from their mistakes. That is just being curious out loud. And I get it's making you uncomfortable, but that's what's happening. Right. Yeah. Like um, it, it's almost like you could turn around and go, well, I'm actually deeply insulted that you're not being curious out loud. I'm being deeply insulted that you're echoing everything that we read on the internet and that you're just saying it in a different way to try to feel original. I'm really offended by that actually, because you're stepping all over what comedy is, which is supposed to be your voice. And I'm not hearing your voice coming out of your mouth. I'm hearing a voice I've heard a thousand times. So I'm offended now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but like, what am I supposed to do with my offense? Absolutely fucking nothing. We move the fuck on because right. like, you know, you know what I mean? Like what I'm going to sit here and be upset. You're stepping on the good name of common. No, like that's what I'm saying. It's supposed to be messy. Like you should yeah. like, it's supposed to be yeah. messy by design. Like stop trying to clean it up. Yeah. I, I mean, I got to a point where it was, you know, every, every comic had, three jokes that they would have like in when i'd go up and i mean it was it was uh, a joke about my cats joke about what uh what or who i you know have sex with and orange man bad um trump and everyone had those three jokes and i just it got got hard man i'm just like i don't like well there's like it was that was what was approved for for comedy and there wasn't any like even going at those like any of those and like opening up discussion about them it was just like you do it this way and well because like we're not really trained to consider 
like our own perspective first right like we don't actually go into it going like what do i actually think about this thing like like for example like if you were to talk to me about the trans issue i yeah. like and ask me to make a joke about it i couldn't make an a, a pro or anti joke that makes no sense right like i like right. i'm not because i'm not pro or anti but you know what i mean like it's like yeah like everything's permissible go ahead right like what do you want about so what what i'm looking at it more so is like what's my perspective on it? it's like clifford what is clifford's reaction to this and this is clifford's reaction clifford looks at coconuts and goes oh my god it's got nut in the name but a coconut's a fruit that's confusing and then someone goes yeah and what about the peanut and what about the peanut well that's a legume a legume i can't figure out fruits and legumes and now we're going into gender spectrum right that's clifford's perspective clifford's perspective is he doesn't understand a lot of things and he's here to learn that is yeah. clifford's perspective right like i uh I, I can't tell you this one story too just like kind of keeping yeah. on the line of this yeah just because recently i was just in ottawa and uh, uh i had a lesbian hit on me in front of her wife and yeah. her, her wife had no eyebrows. So I didn't know if she was mad or happy. I didn't know what was going on, right? Like she came out of the closet, but her eyebrows stayed, right? So that's what, what was going on. And I like talking about this because I like talking about real relationships, real people, real in real time discovery, right? Yeah. Like, I, like that's interesting that I was getting flirted on with a lesbian in front of her wife polyamory is interesting like there's a lot of conversations on the table that if you come in saying here's my take here's my opinion and i'll be all, uh, uh, uh. well no the, and guess what culture won't be like that either culture's going to change its mind and what's going to happen then you're just going to change your mind i've seen that a fucking lot i actually seen that through i'm sure you've seen it in wrestling but i've seen it in comedy where like yeah oh yeah fat, both of them i'll see like a fat comic doing all fat jokes but then the moment that's not popular anymore and Patton Oswalt's popular, oh, they're doing all nerd jokes. The moment that's not popular anymore and Bill Burr's po uh, popular, they're speaking truth to power, right? Yep. Like they're literally a switch I've and switching, switching, switching. And it's like, okay, so you just go where culture tells you to go. Yeah. Right? Like where like, I, I can confidently tell you I go where Clifford tells me to go. Right. Um, I, so I have one of the guys that trained me in wrestling uh he i his name is derek drexel he i always like this piece of advice um for when you know you found your own voice and like you know what what clifford's gonna do in any situation and he told me it is when you can say okay clifford is going into mcdonald's and they fuck up his order what is clifford gonna do there and like, once you can figure that out, then you can kind of put that into any other part of any other experience of what you are when you're. Yeah, so that's actually, there's an educational theory called uh, inversion where yep. like you picture the bad thing happening. So, you know what you would do in that situation. Right. So like, okay, I'm going to go do a drop off my kid. Uh, my ex is mad that I didn't fill out this form for soccer. Uh, okay, and then I'm thinking of my response, right? And then like, so then it comes and it comes to fruition. Well, I went through that inversion process and now I can go and go, 
hey, I'm really sorry I didn't fill out the form. I know that was my responsibility. I should have done that. I'm going to get that to you tonight. Or maybe yeah. I show up with the form, right? Like, like the thing is, though, is when you bring yourself into a state of inversion, you are really opening yourself up to future um, uh, proactive success in the sense that like you're almost like uh, preventative success, right? Like you're preventing the bad thing from happening just by thinking about it. It's the whole idea, like if someone put a latch on the door on September 10th, September 11th would have never happened, right? Like, like, but yeah. that person would have never got no glory from stopping that bad thing from happening. That's why we put no, we, we don't give any flowers to prevention where prevention is probably one of the most powerful things, right? Like if we can yeah. prevent something really bad from happening, that's good, but there's no pats on the back. There's no social reputation points. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's just, you that's just it. did it to do it, you know? Yeah. Like, I, yeah, yeah I very much, point. I just very much think about that. I think about like what Clifford will do in any given situation. And if Shopify have never fired me, I do wonder if I would have kept basking in the comfortability if I would have kept being that dog in the field of the sunflowers, you know what I mean? With uh, surrounded by dead cats. Cause I'm curious if, uh, cause now that I'm building a business from scratch and I'm doing this the hardest way possible, Rusty, it's impossible. I like, I'm, uh, I'm bootstrapping a startup. It's like playing a video game on the hardest mode possible. Yeah. But if you win on the hardest mode possible, holy fuck, does that feel good? Right. Yeah. So I know who Clifford is. Clifford wants to win on the hardest mode possible. That's who Clifford is. And I know who he is because uh, the Canadian government told me that I don't get employment insurance or any kind of support financially. That I have a pile of you may be evicted soon notices since June. These things don't scare me anymore because I'm going through them in real time. And I can tell you, it's not that scary. I'm at the, I, yeah. I could be at the threat of losing my home. You know, I'm a parent. I have a lot of shit. I will figure it out. I will, I will be resilient. I will survive. I will pivot. I will find a way. Right. And I've had to do that many times, but the truth of the matter is, is I'm still standing. And the truth of the matter is, is if I'm going to build a company that's teaching an education stream that builds resilience in people, well, then yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to throw myself in the fucking fire. That's it. Yeah. You know, and so now I can tell you today, I fucking know who Clifford is. And like, he's, a, he's awake now, you know what I mean? Like that sleeper, he's awake now. And it's like, I'm just, I'm so stoked for what we can do together. Like me working with creatives and collaborators. And like, I'm really excited for that, man. Like, I'm excited for that more than anything. More than, you know, like I, uh, there was a Canadian comic, um, uh, uh ryan long who was just on joe Rogan, oh yeah right ryan yeah. He, he moved to uh new york years new ago. york yeah. yeah and um i couldn't feel happier i couldn't feel happier to see a canadian comic who came up at the corner comedy uh club which is a small club in toronto that was just about being incubating comedy talent didn't matter who you were, what you were doing, that if you were there to really grow your talent and craft as a comedian, that was going to happen there. And then Ryan Long told the story of that club on that podcast, on that platform. And that to me was, was so amazing because all these people that have been working on those projects for years haven't gotten any flowers. For years, they've just been heads down working, getting it done. And to see their stories being told, 
it's so meaningful to me because like, I think the more we tell each other's stories, the more that we're going to be able to learn from each other's stories. And the, especially when your values are aligned, right? So like, you know, I see Ryan's work ethic. It's clear. He's great at what he does. Right. And I love that the, the corner is still standing through all the ups and downs that they've had over the year. And they may actually be creating a template in Canada to create more comedy incubators, to create more independent comedy clubs, as opposed to the oligopoly that we have now. So like I, uh, I, am, in, I am optimistic about the direction of things that are going right now. And I think it's because the pandemic and the internet has brought us this, this ability to communicate more, normalize this. And I think, uh, yeah, we're probably not even at the tip of the iceberg of what's gonna happen to us as like a creative community. And, and the fact that you're in America and I'm in Canada, this is really important too, having like cross-border partnerships and relationships. That's really important too. So yeah. th- th- this, is, this is the fight I'm fighting, you know, bro. But it's one of those things where like two years from now, you may catch up with me and I'm like, you know, I'm on a park bench with a phone be like, yeah, it didn't work out so well. I borrowed this phone from Tiffany at the barbershop. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, like. I'm, Here's I'm, a picture I'm, of my meal super into crack now Ah, right like that's not good and like like that might that might be the case for me you know but like you could be you too but that's the thing if you're not if you're not taking the risks if you're not putting yourself forward if you're not in the arena then you don't get a say in your own life and that to me the having a say in your own life is the real freedom right so that's kind of like yeah that's that's sort of the where my mind goes when i try to think of what are we actually doing here and i i think a lot of what we talked about we can kind of both look at it and go oh we still have so much to learn yeah isn't that a natural conclusion here like like we have so much to learn you know what i mean and you can't stop learning you can't just go this like it's weird with science because like saying anything in science is a, a fact because a science is wrong because like science is always evolving as are we and like what is one thing today might not be the same thing tomorrow and whereas like and then another thing like what you're saying with with ryan long like getting on to like one of the biggest platforms in the world and being able to fucking put over the fucking place that, you know, is that you're from, man. And just being able to. And that's, that's, I mean, he was doing his thing, his way on his terms, right? He, he took the risk to go to America to make the goals he had happen. And, you know, not every comedian can take that risk, right? Not every Canadian comic worth their salt can go to America, So, you know, that's where I'm trying to think of the future of Canadian comedy of like, well, how can we foster a better comedy community in Canada to be able to equip people to have enough money to be able to afford a visa if they want to. I really believe in the idea that comedians should have good groceries on their table. I think like that idea alone will help reduce suicides and mental health issues and drug addiction like that I see so much in stand up. Um, that's stuff that really matters to me because, you know, we've, uh, lost a good bit of friends over the years to that kind of stuff. And, um, and the more I talk to older comics, 
the more you see it, right? They're like, yeah, once I hit 40, I lost this guy. I lost this guy. You know, I, I had friends that were friends with Brody Stevens, right? And like that one hit the comedy world really hard. And that kind yeah. of shit, if I could create a system that helps comedians make money off comedy while still being able to learn, still being able to do their thing, even without a star system. And then they can, if they want to take that risk and nurture their talent and go elsewhere, they can, or they can like learn the school skills entrepreneurially to scale themselves online. They can pick a platform and dominate, right? Like there's a lot of like, like Shay Durana. He's a, a Canadian comedian. who's a like 7 million subscribers on TikTok, And he used that to leverage himself going into the state. Oh yeah. 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 You, you've seen that yeah, guy. He, yeah. He's done stuff with Ryan Long too. He's, he's the guy yeah. who's like, follow me, you fuckers. Follow me, you fucking idiots. That's his the best. Idiots. Okay, yeah. The best call to action of all time. Follow me, yeah. you fucking idiots. Right. So, like, what? And these are all these are all good dudes. Like, I've performed with these guys. They're good guys. You know what I mean? Like, they they really love comedy. They care about comedy. They're trying to set comedy up for success. I'm saying we got to look at them. We have to look at them. Look at what they're doing successfully, and understand that it's their choices that are doing this. Their choices to produce, their choices to create content, their choices to, det to detach themselves from preciousness in their material, their choices to not care what others think about them. Like these choices are the choices they're making. If you make the same choices, you will continue to grow. You will continue to grow professionally and personally. Like these are going to be good for you. It's not about clout. It's not about status. It's not about trying to get from here to there. It's literally about trying to be the best you that you want to be. And like, when I think about that for Clifford, I don't think, oh, I grow this company and I get the fuck out of Canada. Right. I think like yeah. I continue living in this little beach town. I fly to places when I need to go do a thing. And then I come home and I go back to trivia on Tuesday nights with my friends and we make fun of Cam, the trivia host, and eat macaroni and cheese. And then I go with my kids to the beach, and then we talk about if Spider-Man could beat up Batman. And this is what we do. Like, for me, I'm like, no, it's a big and small life that I truly crave. I crave the yep. intimate, the personal, but I crave the ambitious and the, the, the story, right? Like, yeah. I, crave, I crave that too. And yeah, I, I think like, I really believe there's wiggle room to change the way we approach comedy in Canada. And that's why like people are like, it's almost weird that I'm creating a new form of uh, comedy work, right? I'm literally starting this, uh, I'm trying to start this idea of offstage comedy work, right? Like ways for comedians to make money while they're not on stage. The pandemic just showed that glaring hole for me that like all my friends lost their living like that. Unless we did a Zoom show where we had to perform to Which someone's was weird. pug, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. was awful. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I'm like, no, but like, there's roles that are comedy adjacent that are good for comedians, like a facilitator. You can facilitate a comedy experience. You can use your emotional intelligence skills to help people in real time. You're actually going to get the same thrill that you get from the stage being in an instant feedback environment. Like all, I, I promise you the parameters are there to feed what you like about comedy, but we're going to do it in a different way and you're going to make more money. So like that, that, that's what I'm trying to do here. And I'm, I, you got to understand Rusty. I'm getting I, I, like when people are trying to understand what I'm trying to do, I get a lot of questions, curiosity, objections, you know, and right. 
I need to listen to all of it. I've, you yep. know, this, you ever hear the feedback is a gift, right? Like I need to listen yep. to every single piece of this and then go, okay, thank you. Thank you so much for telling me. Thank you for telling me why you thought this was shit. Thank you for yep. telling me what you like about this. Thank you. Cause now I can pivot and do it. And maybe I'll get to this big fucking goal of mine that I seem to be the only one really obsessing over. And that's probably because I'm the only one that's meant to obsess over this. Right. And you, like, right? you know, with, with art too, like this, where I was saying with art too, like if people are caring that much to say that like it's shit, it's fucking stupid. It means you're fucking like, it's fucking awesome. It means you're fucking doing something. You're fucking, you get, you know, it's obviously getting into their fucking thing to like have a feeling about it as opposed to just Clifford's fucking making something. Okay. Well, great. It's like, dude, it's making people feel something, which is like, is at least questioning a lot of a lot of things and being able to like they're they're scared because they've never heard of it before they're it's like you're saying with the people with the guns you know like they they're they're not not don't know about like what this other life is you know i want something for a little bit of like this is yeah i don't know like and people without guns have feelings and like people with guns yeah. have feelings and you, what you're saying about feeling like if you can make someone feel like they really do belong and that they can contribute and that they listen and that like make them feel that it's okay to think differently than me. Right. Like, yeah. like it's okay for you to think that way. Like I, I have some friends that like, woo, like, like some of my closest friends have the most dog shit opinions just dog shit right and i'll sit and i'm like what are you, why are you thinking of this why are you thinking of it that way and he's like oh i heard it from this and then i thought about blah, blah, blah. i'm like well let me tell and like that's how it's going right where i'm just like ah slap you on the face get out of here you yeah. piece of garbage and uh i remember one time at the the tr when the trump thing was really getting big i actually had oh. a, a trumper over for uh dinner yeah and then his wife I mean, mine, and he was talking about, he was talking to me about trans people in the military and he was in the military. So let's understand his context. He, he served oh, context. Yeah. Right. He served time. And he just said, I'm afraid that if a woman with a smaller body is identifying as a male, that she won't be able to save me from dying. You know, like same as I would be nervous if it was a very small male, right like and like um and he told me this perspective and uh, what i was hearing was this guy is feeling fear this guy is feeling fear over this thing i do think that like what's valid is his fear right yeah, not, like not just so, i i hate trans people I, and I don't mean the fucking military i don't think he's anti-trans i you know right. that's not where i think he was coming from yeah. i think he was coming just from a place scared. where just scared it, his, his own his own life is you know can be possibly threatened like you know and he's he's open to admit that say that like that well that scares in, me in that whole conversation the thing i disagreed with the most was probably being in the military right like i'm yeah. kind of like don't do that <laughs> like yeah. don't do the thing that almost guarantees is a chance you might get killed you probably like, get killed yeah. <laughs> like, like, that to me yeah. is just like oh no but like that that's just my perspective but i understand if someone feels so called upon to serve for their country that they feel this real conviction in their lives like 
that is a hell of a sacrifice. Yeah. Hell of a sacrifice, especially for the intentions of people at the top. We know we're not good. We know that they are okay with our kids dying for their agendas. And that sucks. Yeah. But while I'm talking to someone in that boat, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, these people just have this agenda. You're just being used. And blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, it's like, man, yeah, you made that choice to be there and you're afraid for your life. And that's like a real thing you're wrestling with. And I'm, I'm here to listen, man, pass to roast beef. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not in that position. Like you, like, I wouldn't have known that, you know, had you, had we not talked about it and that's, you know, a completely different perspective than what I have. And we both have different views on it we both have different on everything and and it's okay to have conflicting views and it's okay to have these discussions if it makes you uncomfortable it's okay to be uncomfortable um if you i, I like saying this when i even said this on a mormon talk show but it got cut out for some reason once you <laughs> once once you shit your pants you can't shit your pants anymore like you're i mean you're, you're feeling uncomfortable and it's okay it's okay to feel uncomfortable but like at that point you're fucking you're free like and it's well, okay everything's okay that that really is it right if we can get to the people people generally like if we can get culture to the point where it embraces discomfort like we, we start seeing discomfort merchants popping up in all sorts of different realms not just comedy like you know like someone like david goggins talks about physical discomfort right someone like uh i i, I might mix, mix up his name uh, gal something like he talks about childhood trauma sorry I, I, his name escapes me right now that's okay but but like he, he's talking about emotional pain right emotional discomfort that kind of thing and yeah. and that is like there's these different discomfort versions like even someone like jordan peterson who's full-on going into the culture war maybe flaming it but anyways that guy is he you know he's full uh full head into it yeah we, but we learn from his altercations we learn from his uh impassioned delivery right. Not as, we learn from like the the things that he says that are positive and resonate with us and the things that are negative that we don't agree with we actually learn from both so or someone like steven crowder who's kind of doing yeah. the the same thing just like opening like you know everyone has their different views and it's like let's let's and fucking talk about it it's okay i personally would never go out of my way to be like hey uh, you know i did a lot of work today i think i'd like to sit down and enjoy a podcast i'm gonna put on some steven crowder like that's right. not a clifford right. move I'm, yeah. gonna be, I'm gonna be putting on theo fun i'm gonna be yeah. putting on uh ryan and danny talking on the boys cast right i'm gonna be talking yeah put on this stuff that was just like being around the kind of people i tend to be friends with and hang with and you know just like the kind of uh because they're so fucking extra right like they have jj yeah. Lieber, they have jj lieberman on their show a lot and jj i i once traveled four hours to windsor with that kid and he is an animal like an absolute animal like his perspective on life he makes me so uncomfortable he's such an uncomfortable human being and uh, god bless him for it to a degree yeah. right he's on, he's on stage talking about like i'm gay now i got shit on my dick and i'm like what is happening and i'm just like but this guy's just going for it and it took me years to like not like look at someone like him and think of it as an affront 
and I, like I I need to look at him and be like oh this is the way he's contributing to this idea space and that's really yeah. what entertainment is entertainment I kind of believe is education disguised right like it's like it really is like uh, we learn from people's choices. We learn from their reactions. We learn from the story. We, you know, like we end up everyone because we have a natural inclination to try to think differently about something. So we don't sound like other people. Like we tend to try to start breaking down the edges to get to the greatest thing. Like, I, I think we should look at that as, Oh, we're a really fucking cool species. Like we're cool. Yeah. We're cool as fuck. We're way better than raccoons. Like we're so cool that we can do all this stuff that we can have this conflict and we learn from it, that we go at each other's throats and it makes us better. Right. Like we created, huh. we created war so we could advance technology technologically, probably to the point where there'll be no war one day. Oh my God. What is happening? Fuck. Right. We're a cool here, species, man. Yeah, here we are. We're, but we're, uh, in a way we're, you know, it's like watching that, the, the nature uh nature is metal what, what yeah, was it that's the there's a lot of them there's a lot of like types of things there's any kind of those instagram channels that are showing nature being fucking awful like it's scary yeah. like this is how like you know if i see like an, an alligator fucking eating a wildebeest or i don't know what some shit right i just yeah. like oh, oh my god hideous and then like i think about like so doug stanhope he's a comedian that's been uh, discomfort mer merchant his entire career right yeah, like yeah, he, yeah he is the he is the goat of discomfort merchant uh ism or whatever yeah i just made this term up today really but um but like doug stanhope has a bit in i think it's his most recent special he opens up with like this fake uh apology to the crowd for everything he's about to say it's very funny tongue-in-cheek and then he has a whole bit about this boy uh sorry this father losing his son to being eaten by an alligator and he's talking about being in a tug of war with your kid as the rope with an alligator it's so uncomfortable i'm a father and it, it, it filled me with fear and it filled me with sadness and tragedy like this comedian made me feel so desperate for this man who lost his kid this way it made me scared of nature it made me never want to visit florida like a lot was happening in my mind there's a lot of reasons not to visit florida. <laughs> <laughs> but you but you see what i'm saying though is like may, my god i'm so glad i listened to that bit it really got me self-reflecting i actually came out of it going like fuck i love my son he's still and here yeah. and i love him so much man yeah, you know took like, you along that journey with him and it took you into like a deep emotional uh instance that makes you reflect in yourself just by words that he's saying makes you really reflect on yourself and your situation and your situation with your son it makes you feel that fucking hard and with a with an outcome of going from him talking about doing tug of war with a fucking kid and an alligator to someone that in the audience going i fucking love my son like that's yeah. a fucking emotional roller coaster man and that's isn't that isn't that strong. crazy i don't think yeah. he did that as the outcome but that's what i experienced right right like i so, i i experienced that from him and oh man like you know like it, then then let's go back to what we were saying about owning all your bullshit like when you're saying like i fucked up right yeah. Well, like if if I were to lose my kid to an alligator tomorrow, 
I would feel like shit for making his mom's life harder today. So maybe I shouldn't argue with her today. Maybe I'm not going to send that email. Maybe I'm not going to send that flippant text, right? Like maybe I'm going to do the thing that's best for my son, which is to just let his mom be and let her not have to deal with conflict. You know, I started really reflecting on me because at the end of the day, it really comes to our choices, man. Right. It comes to our choices. It comes to like, I am choosing to learn from this. I'm choosing to be better from this, or I'm choosing to ignore this. I'm choosing to avoid this, right? Like the moment we're done this, I have to go swimming because I have to stop being fat. And I hate this. I hate moving my body. It's a useless thing for me. I, if I could spend my entire life on a corner chair, talking to comedians, doing shit like this, playing some Hearthstone, learning, and then going out to do one show and coming back, that yeah. would be my entire life. But that means I may not get to see my kid live long enough to sell porn at the age of 17. So <laughs> I, I need some longevity, right? And, like, yeah. and that's, that, that's what I'm saying, right? Like I, I really want to be alive. I want to live long enough to try to see this through. I want to live long enough to see the other comedy company build into a thing. I want to see Canadian comedy get back to its punk roots and fucking thrive. And like, I, I want to live long enough to see it. And that happens if I choose to go swimming today. And if I choose to eat spinach and chicken today, like it's just, that's what happens. Right. Yeah. I would I- rather order, you know, two double cheeseburgers, but like, just not today. Yeah. Do you, do you have a, uh... One one thing with the pool. So I I'm, I I swim a few times because I fucking gotten the same thing and mm. you know uh, and you know but uh, I found a, a heated pool. Um, if you can if you look around, man. If you maybe type in this pool's pool, kind of heated. Yeah, it, it's... It, it makes it makes the experience a, a bit better. If if you're gonna be getting into a pool, like having that I... heated part definitely makes it. I like it, but I also, I use the sauna before going in. So no matter, oh, so like, even if it's, it's warm, it's cold. cold. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing 15 minutes in the sauna. Yeah. It, it gives me a lot of clarity of thought to think about these ideas that I really care about. So like these ideas we're talking about, I'm thinking about this every single day when I'm in the sauna, like maybe like today, when I go into the sauna, I'm going to think about uh, like what you're like, jobs that kids do to just try to make money and learn how to that may be considered unsavory to uh, modern society right like and i'm gonna be like yeah. why, why do we react the way where's our morality come from who's telling us to do this why aren't we mentoring and nurturing these children like like literally i'm gonna be sitting there in the sauna sweating not able to breathe and like oh and it and then i come out of it and like the the end answers are always like this is like you keep you move forward and you create opportunities for yourself to talk about these ideas more. Like I'm looking to, you, you literally had me on as a guest because I posted in a podcast group. I'm willing to guest on a podcast, right? Yeah. That's, that's how we're here. And uh-huh. I'm willing to guest on this podcast because you were a person that's open to ideas and open to talking to different people. Yeah. And you know, I had to, but you know, I also will turn away people um of course because if it's like, not with aligned this, of course yeah well i mean well i'm not even if it's aligned or not but i mean even if it's like 
I can tell that we're going to be able to talk like, cause like with it being, I have a hunch. I have hunches. My hunches have been pretty, pretty decent with this format. Like, um, yeah, I mean, cause it's, there's, I don't have any fucking questions written down. I fucking hate doing that. Dude, that's not, that's not what this thing is about. It's about fucking, yeah, like, you roll. I didn't, I didn't know we were gonna be talking about what the fuck we were talking about. I didn't know we were gonna talk about any of this shit, dude. And like, here we are, man. But and and you know, because I come from this whole like strength and improv thing, I'm very much like, yeah, let's roll, let's yes and each other, let's go yeah. with this. And I actually think this has been a great conversation. Yeah, and one of the I, things that I, I just want to correct myself what I was saying about the alignment thing. I meant like alignment in terms of you need they're an open person you're an open person that's aligned so if i yeah, okay to you and go hey i'm just here to tell you about my specific packages for my uh comedy company and i only want to try to get customers out of this exchange and uh that's all i want to do here you'd be like oh that's really not aligned to what i'm uh, what i do i what would be more aligned is if you came in and talked about the ideas behind what you're doing that yeah. is aligned with me and like uh that 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 is what i'm talking about is like you are an open person there's no way you could be aligned with a closed person or a fixed mentality you you just wouldn't be you would see through the bullshit you would feel used you wouldn't want to be there yeah and i wouldn't want to send it out to my fucking people listening dude like that's it you know right? like, like you want to give them yeah. a good show right like yeah. i understand that too especially i've been watching wrestling more lately to teach myself dedication to your craft because there's no one more dedicated to the craft than wrestlers. They are literally in the middle of five year long storylines. <laughs> like yeah. they're crazy, these people. And, uh, you know, I actually, I grew up with, uh, I actually grew up with a wrestler who has gone through some heat in the media. has got some court stuff going on and whatnot. He did pretty well for himself. He was in New Japan wrestling and stuff like that for a while. ROH, that kind of thing oh okay you might know who i'm talking about but okay. like that uh i caught up with him recently and getting into stand-up comedy and it was interesting. interesting it was interesting seeing that transition because like i've always believed when life goes to shit that there's a mic there and you you have a chance at redemption if you step up to that mic like there's something to me where like he's going through that personal ownership journey that like the taking inventory of your life journey and i'm not going to cut someone off at the heels and be like oh you're not welcome here because you fucked up with a b or c or allegedly fucked up with a b or c whatever it may be it's one of those things where it's like no i really believe in the freedom to just try to let someone own their bullshit yeah you know, Which, you know what I mean? Like, I think that goes a long fucking way. Yeah. Like, well, what we were talking about earlier, like, you know, yeah. Taking ownership of fucking up, like, and just going up and telling the fucking group of strangers that you fucked up. And, I but, am a make fuck it, up. Yeah. Yeah. And make, make it about, about yourself. Like, like it wasn't, I got fucking dealt this fucking hand. Like I fucked up and here's, here's the fucking and I'll, I'll make you, I'll take you along on this journey. I'll well, make you fucking laugh about it. You know, what scares me talking about like, you know, personal perspectives is people who don't think they fucked up. They scare the fucking shit out of me. Yeah. You didn't fuck up. Like there's leaders that had to like, uh, lay off thousands of people and they don't go. I fucked up. Right. Right. They, they don't do that. And I'm like, Oh, you're so scary to me. 
<laughs> like that, yeah. that, that's kind of that's scary when you have someone and that's the thing every gripe you've seen about politicians any side it's literally you're not owning what you're doing we can see through this you're not owning this we can see through this like imagine today nancy pelosi goes on screen and goes all right we've been laundering a little bit yeah, yeah, we've been laundering some money. Uh, kinda, yeah, yeah, you know what? We've been uh, doing it a lot, actually. I'll tell you what we've been doing. I've been giving tips and I've been making these deals. And uh, now I'm going to take personal ownership and consequences for this because I shouldn't have done it. And I know that saying this out loud will help everyone move forward because I'm such a big representative in this thing and admitting to something that's, you know, a crime i'll at least give a court a chance to decide whether or not it is so imagine imagine that happened i i would you a lot of people that are fucking mad at nancy pelosi suddenly respect her because she did the right thing for humanity right it was like oh that was like really good for someone in a position of authority to specifically own their bullshit and admit how they fucked up and then take the consequences for it right like like that's what like people try to resort to the lynch mob mentality right like when the, when they went after louis ck right like he sent out an email the night before and he signed it louis ck a human and he was clearly in an emotional state of feeling what was about to happen when he released his thing he was Fuck the, the special no not after? The, no the he actually released a response to the oh. new york times article where he said what these women are saying is true he validated the victims he owned his end of it and then he fucked off for a little bit and then went back into doing comedy and then everyone was so upset that he got back into comedy because they were like oh it's not long enough and i'm like what's enough yeah what's what, enough what are you what? talking about like like the way i see it is someone owned it we have no idea what therapy he went to or what he did. And to be honest, we don't get to know that. Yeah. We don't get to know that. Right. Like we were just the audience in a story. We were watching a story and right. And the thing is, and the truth of it is, is like you can vilify him all you want, but he admitted to what he did. And if there was to be anything like prosecutive worthy on that, then like they would have continued right he admitted to it like, yeah. <laughs> like open and shut case johnson you know like <laughs> we're yeah. good uh th- that and that's what i'm saying is like we have to look at things a little bit more 4d and not just so black and white not so like this or that like it's not like that it, saying louis ck should be able to perform comedy isn't any commentary on the victims on their lives on their validity right they're not less valid because that's valid you know what i mean like but like people are like oh no you're picking a side and it's like no i I just kind of see victimhood differently than you do i think lucy k was also a victim in that situation that he was uh he, he let power go to his head and you know he was a victim of the star system and hollywood ideas and a lot of what that culture was you can't deny that right or like right or a victim of the 80s parenting or whatever it is you know what i mean like there's always some catalyst that creates an idea that traps you in a way of thinking that gets you caught up you do the wrong fucking thing and then like you got to really eat crow on it and like i i think watching him now 
like his specials are much more comedically free because he's been burned. He was like, he was like Mr. Oh, Louis C.K. is the best. It was so fucking annoying. Louis C.K. is the best. Oh, every comedian should aspire to be Louis C.K. And the show is the greatest thing. Oh, yeah. Everyone. The show is the greatest. Everything this guy touches is fucking gold. And then like, here I am being like, my favorite comedians, Levi McDougal. And like, you know, like, oh, because I have my own personal taste. And I was like affronted by everyone telling me who to like. Right, like I was a friend right. as a comedy fan. You telling me that I'm supposed to think this guy's the goat for A, B, or C. You know, like I, I just never, I, in my opinion, I'd probably say Norm Macdonald's the goat, right? And like I would say Norm Macdonald's the goat over Dave Chappelle, and they maybe that is a controversial opinion, but that's that means nothing. It's, it, it weighs nothing to nobody. That's just Clifford's personal taste. Yeah. That's all Clifford, that's- Clifford fucking likes Norm Macdonald, dude. Clifford and fucking loves Norm Macdonald. Yeah, it's not going to make you fucking whoever you love. It's not going to make the fact that you love fucking, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to fucking blast on some fucking comedian <laughs> that sucks. But uh, I mean, and that's okay. You both have your own fucking thing and both are okay. Both answers are correct. Both Can, both- can we actually snag on that just for a second? Because I... I- even the comedians that people like, oh, that comedian sucks. Like Liza Schlesinger gets so much hate for someone with such a strong work ethic, someone who shows up for her audience, someone who knows her crowd, someone who's mastered what she does and she gets hate on all the time, right? And I yeah. look at her and I go, all right, keep hating on her. You'll, you're not going to match her work ethic. You're not going to match her output. You're going to fucking drown. Enjoy. Yeah, uh- yeah. Or learn from her. Learn from this person whose comedy you don't like. I, I don't have to like someone's comedy to s- learn a lot from them. To learn a shit ton of things from who they are and what they're doing. Stop looking at it like, oh, this is only to entertain me. Like, okay, if it's not entertaining you, then it's time to learn from it, bro. Why, yeah. why is this entertaining others? Why do others respond to this? Why do other people like her? What is she offering that's bringing something out of people? What the fuck is it? Right. Like that to me is everything. Yeah. And yeah. how can I do that? How can I fucking so do I that love, in my I own love way? hearing who comics are shitting on because I'm like, okay, the moment I hear someone's shitting on someone, I just know there's blind spots. You know, I just yeah. know that there's things that you're not looking at. And like, I can tell you, I've gotten a lot of heat, a lot of heat for my comedic style. A lot of people not liking how I do comedy. They find me too loud. They find me obnoxious. I've been told multiple times from comedians who work less than me that I'm not a real comedian. It's very interesting. It creates personal feelings of vendetta. Uh, fuck you, blah, blah, blah. And then when I step back and I realize my role now and, I, and that I can see all of life as an education curve, I just go, oh, I'm just on this plot point. They're on this plot point. This plot point has you react like this. My plot point has me react like this. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah, you're and, you're, gonna, uh, you, you're gonna hate me, but you, you might not. You know, I I actually had an experience recently where someone reached out to me to uh to make a a sense of amends for them having very ill feelings of me over the past years, and uh, they wanted to surge that from their life. You know, they didn't want to hold on to that, and it shocked me. I, I thought this person liked me. I thought we were Gucci, you know, like, I, yeah. 
did not understand that resentment was harbored. And when that came to my door and I had the opportunity to reconnect, I was like, well, this is such a gift. Thank you so much. You know, like, I'm so glad that I know this now and that I can learn from this. And I, I understand how people perceive me. I didn't understand that I was perceived that way before, you know, and like, I, and I, I, I do have, I do lament that I didn't see it that way. Cause I do think we would have had a better outcome if I did, if my perspective was different. Right. But now I know that it's never going to happen again that way. Because I'm a lot more aware of how I impact people. I understand that this conversation might rub people the wrong way. Oh, who's Clifford to be talking about this idea, that idea, blah, blah, blah. I haven't seen him grinding in every mic this week. Eh, right? It's like, my story is different than your story. I'm a dad. I'm, I'm living a slower life. Like slow is smooth, smooth is fast. I'm taking my time building a business. I'm taking my time enjoying the time I have with my son while he's young. You know, like this, yeah. that's my, my priorities and values are in line because I know who the fuck Clifford is. So when I see people griping like that, to me, to myself, I just go, okay, you've got to figure out yourself. Yep. You got to go figure out who you are. Yeah. And they haven't, if they're fucking, if they have, if they have enough time to fucking if they have enough talk time shit to about you that anyone that has enough time to point the finger at you. That's why like yep. anyone that we brought up today. I'm talking about it in a learning lens. I'm talking about it. What do we learn from them? I like, I personally don't uh, dislike Liza Schlesinger. I watch her comedy specials. You know what I mean? I understand that other people do, right? Like, right. It, why can't I talk about it? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but like, whatever, right? Like, it's yeah. true. Um, and, and I think the more we talk about it, the more people will get the courage to give themselves permission to talk about their ideas and the courage to be disliked because at least 10% of people won't like what you're saying. Just go under that assumption. I like to yeah. go under the assumption that 90% of people won't like what I'm saying. So that way I try to say it as best I can. Right. Like I try to yes. say things to try to reduce that percentage. Like I do want more people to connect to my message than not connect to the message. But I also understand that like, that's going to depend on a variety of factors, you know, yeah. that I'm not in control of. So you're, it's the, I mean, the main factor being is them. The main yeah. factor is them and it's not you. Well, um, and that's, and that's the whole, like you point the finger at me. Like I got, I I'm telling you, if you're in that mode right now, I didn't get to that point in my life until I was 35 where I pointed the finger at me. I pointed the finger at every other person, my entire life. I pointed it at, I, I pointed it at just for laughs. Oh, they, they're the reason why I don't have the career I want. Cause I, they're not putting me on their show. And I pointed it on yuck yucks. Oh, the biggest uh, club in the country won't even blink my way. I blamed it on everyone. I blamed it on this comic for not wanting to collaborate and blamed it on this. And at the end of the day, when I started pointing the finger at me and going, well, you fucked up here. They didn't want to work with you because of this, the like, blah, blah, blah. You actually rub people the wrong way when you were so assertive in this way, you know? And I, I, I know I'm an, like an incredibly assertive person. Like I, and the type of person that if I get ideas, I want to run with them. I want to talk and jam. And because I'm yeah. very confident that can really rub people the wrong way. Right. Like, how is this guy so confident in his ideas and why? Like, he's just an attention whore. Like, I got that one when I was on stage. Oh, you're just an attention whore and that kind of stuff. 
And at that time, I can tell you now, Rusty, I was an attention whore. Yeah, and, and it's, you're right. And it's okay. You're right. I was. You're yeah. right. I was. And now I'm less of an attention whore because uh, you're, you're right. I want to have sex for the lovemaking, not just for the yeah. money. Right? And, <laughs> like, yeah. So. And, and you're not saying, hey, fuck you for saying that to me. Like, dude, you're fucking wrong. What the fuck do you know? Like, it's somebody else's perspective. I mean, there's the people person, have other perspectives. The person who said that about me actually legitimately does not like me. Like they, they publicly said that they would like to see it if I were to kill myself. They said that publicly. Now, again, let's keep on the learning stream of pointing the finger at ourselves. What did I do to make someone feel that way? Well, I, I definitely know certain droplets that I was like, oh, I showed a, a, an amount of ego and propensity for uh, self uh grandizement that um it really uh put him off and maybe put me in a box and then when i slighted him on occasion two three and four that added fuel to the fire and then when number five happened he was done with it said you attention whore kill yourself and you look at that and you go okay man i wish if i could go back in time i wouldn't go back and wish that he didn't say that I would go back to all those other instances and correct my interactions with him. I would, I would correct my behavior. I correct what I did that led to him thinking that way. I, and it's not one of those things that we'll ever really believe, be able to have a conversation on it. At that point, we're like, okay, well, I would never say that to another person. I'm moving on. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Right. Yeah. But I do believe that that person is entitled to be educated and like to learn to the point where they can forgive me and move on with their lives so they know it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if someone else is an attention whore. That doesn't really matter. That doesn't impact you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I'm sure going through self-reflection, that ugliness would come to the surface and you have to address it, right? And like, cool, that's your journey. We don't need to be on that journey together. Right. But I definitely, I want that person to be successful in life. I don't want them to be miserable. I've seen what happens when that person's miserable. Oh, fuck. It feels horrible. So I hope they've become uh, confident and comfortable in the life they're leading to where they're not throwing that misery (laughs) other people's way, you know? And like, I I think that's fair to say that, like, (laughs) if, if I'm going to say that everyone deserves a seat at the table, same with the guy who told me to kill myself. Yeah. You know, and that's uncomfortable, but hey, pass the potatoes. Fucking right, man. Um, cool. Let's, I, I like, let's, uh, let's cool, uh, get that. I can't talk. Well, let's fucking call it there, man. I like that. It's a good way to end. Yeah. Pass the fucking potatoes. Pass whatever <laughs> the fuck else you got, man. Um, That'd be a good, uh, uh, I don't know if you name your podcast. That'd <laughs> be a good podcast that will pass the potatoes. Pat- well, you know, I'm all right. I'm writing that down. Okay. That's, <laughs> uh, that's a whole nother thing. Uh, I mean, so for my, to give away my secrets for my um, podcast description and episode title, uh, I have chat GPT do it. And I, you know, like, cause I like to get like, I don't know shit about SEO or fucking Google ranking no, or use the how to write that available. shit. 
Mm-hmm. And like, and we were talking about earlier with comedy too, like the same thing, like too, like I put in jokes when I started fucking writing jokes in 2012 and fucking giving them like, give me 10 new punchlines in my style. Like here they are like, and then do like, some of them are funnier than what I had. And I'm just like, fuck man. Like <laughs> it's hard. This it's is hard. Gonna, this like, is going to be a fun exploration, bro. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. So thanks, uh, for doing this, man. I'm, I'm happy we got to, to, we didn't know each other before this dude. We had not fucking, we'd spoken a few words yeah. over Facebook we, messenger and that's it, man. And we never met, like, but I'm glad the vibes were there, bro. I'm glad. Yeah, I think we had, a, I think we had a really great nuanced conversation that hopefully people can look on and, uh, think about some of these ideas and self-reflect and I, I honestly just hopefully everyone leaving a little bit more hopeful today from this Tuesday so podcast we did you know bro yeah. I, pre- I thank you for having me on man yeah dude thank yeah thanks for being on and how, how are people gonna find you um yeah so and find what you do I'm Clifford Myers, Clifford, like the big red dog Myers, like the serial killer. So at Clifford Myers on Instagram and Twitter at Clifford Myers comedy. If you want to see me telling AI jokes and trying to punch up what the jokes that uh, chat GPT comes up with, I've been doing that as a little series over there and my special. Yeah. So that's fun. And my special odyssey is available for free on uh, Clifford Myers YouTube channel. And if you're interested in learning more about the other comedy company, the other comedy.co that's us, man. And uh, we're going to continue doing our thing, being punk and building this fucking thing that no one knows exists. So- <laughs> now, now they will, man. Now that now they're going to know. And now it's out there. It's out there. It was out there in the world. It's out there in the world more now. It's in the ether. Yeah, it's in the ether, dude. Fucking, it's going to pick up someone when they're fucking typing in their fucking uh, AI joke. It's going to have enough fucking metadata on here that's going <laughs> to up, putting that into the universe more. So, uh, dude, yeah, fucking awesome talking with you and meeting you. And everyone, thank you for listening to here. Um, yeah, dude, uh, I don't know. I, Say like, subscribe, and share now. Uh, that was something I didn't do. I always thought that was fucking dumb. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to start. I started seeing that on my last show. And because, uh, you know, it's one of those things like people might do it because they heard it at the end. They weren't going to. They may do it. Well, if you're still listening right now, not just like, comment, and share, but actually respond to what we were talking about. Engage with the ideas. Engage with the conversation. That is going to make Rusty a better podcast host. That's going to make the podcast better. It's going to make your community better. And you get to be a part of that community and you get a voice in it too. So definitely do that. Like, share, subscribe, and make sure to engage with what we're actually talking about because we want to hear your ideas too. This has to be a feedback loop. Yeah, I fucking love it, man. Um, You guys, that is the show, man.